Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for the lust. Blindly passing, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. Father, we thank you, Father God. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for the power, the blood of the Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We pray and admit to you, Father, that we are not as in love with you as we ought to be, and we pray for you to outpour an anointing upon us that would cause us to fall absolutely head over heels and utterly in love with you, utterly in love, our first love with our Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for being patient with us as we uh, struggle with the various, uh, oh gosh, trials, tribulations difficulties, emotional impact, ups and downs, roller coaster rides, and all the other things that come along with being trapped in the flesh uh, in uh, in the days that we're in right now. It's very difficult, but of course, you know, you're our Father, and you know these things far better. You, you've written uh, your works that you have planned for us to walk in, in our books, before we were born, praise Jesus, Psalm 139, 16, Ephesians 2:10. hallelujah, and we just pray, Father God, that we can do that with more ever-increasing grace. Uh, understanding uh, that you are incredibly merciful, that you remember that we are dust, Psalm 103, verses 11, 12, and 13, praise God. And we just pray, Father, that you will continue to uh, touch us, to anoint us, to help us along the journey of sanctification, uh, understanding the intensity of the burden and challenge that is associated with the Ecclesiastes 1.18, wisdom and knowledge that you have imparted upon us, uh, uh, through our, uh, well, essentially, for lack of a better term, through our awakening and awareness of the magnitude of the darkness that is occurring across the world. Uh, so many people are not awake and aware. So many people are not uh, even even an inkling. They have no idea what's going on. It's shocking to us. We understand that there's little, if any, chance that we would even have at this stage to be able to witness to them except to simply plant seeds. And in fact, we praise you, Father, for bringing us to a place in this walk where uh, it's actually easier to witness to an unbeliever than it is to witness to a believer. 
Um, we knew that day was going to come. Uh, at least I felt it, 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 I could see it kind of happening in my life. And I just wanted to thank you for that opportunity being laid before each of us, uh, the opportunities that we have been given by the blessing that many of us have uh, to be employed by your mercy uh, and be able to uh, use that blessing to bless others in days that you know they're unable to sustain even the most fundamental uh, parts of their you know families and and feed their children and and pets and things like that that are going to get far far worse than they are even now and we just praise you father let us understand please in our hearts through whatever touch that is required how you will be blessing and divinely protecting those of us who are generous incredibly generous and giving and kind and loving in the days that we have ahead of us and we overcome uh, any um, fears, uh, lack of courage uh, that we um, should not have, but in our natural flesh do frequently have. And we pray with that anointing that it would be uh, something that blesses you, blesses the poor that we can touch, awakens people in a way that was never uh, something we could do historically in the past. And we take advantage of this blessing and expand people's hearts to be able to see the days that we are in right now, uh, you know, and, and stop worrying about trying to preach to the church and spend more time touching people that are uh, inherently unbelievers or marginal believers at best and awaken them to the end times that we are deep into at this time. We thank you for that opportunity. We praise you for the supernatural anointing and power that you have given each of us. We pray praise you for helping us to understand that it is the power of Christ in each of us that we are able to wield against the forces of darkness and 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 uh, and reap uh, the mercies and your divine protection and your and and establish a a relationship of trust that by virtue of uh, will end up protecting us in the days that are ahead that will be turning far darker uh, than uh, we have seen thus far and we uh, we we pray in Jesus name that through your grace and that grace that will be uh that will move through us and our spirits uh we will be able to demonstrate our faith to those who are gravely troubled in the days ahead and we just give you all the praise worship honor and glory father god thank you Jesus for your mercy thank you for your prayers thank you for your power thank you for your blood thank you for your help and assistance and and the and the uh uh, and and the uh, um, just uh, innumerable company of angels that you have at your disposal to help each one of us in this journey. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah.
and take you home. It's time for you to look around. The signs I gave for coming down. Jesus, hallelujah. You know, uh, it, it hadn't occurred to me, but I thought, uh, it, I don't know, I don't know, maybe this is supernatural that I feel like mentioning this or whatever. I don't know. It might not be. It just may, who knows? Maybe it's just something that it occurred to me. Uh, but um, uh, for those of you who, uh, a couple of things. For those of you who like to listen to the live stream, the actual live program as it's taking place, as in like right now, um, uh, then um, just as a word of uh, maybe a word of wisdom. I don't know. Or just maybe a technological know-how maybe thing. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't. But but I just felt this come upon me uh, to make mention of the possibility that um, the Google Chrome browser, uh, which has always historically been one of the better ones to use to listen to the show live, yeah, you know, uh, there, the the forces of darkness, the worshipers of Satan, those who do awful, horrible things that I don't even like repeating, and quite frankly, have taken some books that I was reading and historically, and I had to put them down. Uh, you know, I, I there's only so much you can take. You know, anyway. So, but but the point is this: in the efforts that are underway right now for the um, forces of darkness to block information over the internet, it is not beyond their ability to programmatically through various web browsers, uh, possibly many different kinds, who knows, I don't know, um, uh, uh, to programmatically configure the web browser so that um, it is unable to properly listen to the show live or it might cause you problems. Now, um, I, I, I really don't what I can tell you is it may cause you if, you, you know, there's so many different types of mobile devices. There's, you know, literally dozens of different types of Apple devices that are out there. There's dozens of different types of Android devices that are out there. There are so many different versions of operating systems on these various devices, many different versions of Android, many different versions of Apple, many different versions of laptops. They've got Google Chromebooks. They've got all kinds of things that are out there. And um, I just have a feeling that the forces of darkness, the satanic, the global satanic crime syndicate, uh, their um, uh, censorship is going to go to another level. Uh, 
um, and that, uh, you know, there may be those of you out there. Now, maybe you, for example, might use a Chrome browser and you like to listen to the program live. And then you discover as you're listening to the program that suddenly the audio stops right in the middle of listening to the program. It goes blank. Uh, Now, is that something that is you know, part of the censorship engine that we're, I believe they're pushing out across the internet right now uh, really, really fast, faster than we can keep up with. Yes, it could very well possibly be true. I have heard from some people that when that occurs, if they close their browser down and open it back up again, they can get back into the program and listen to the live stream again. The other thing it is important to note is um, now a lot of people will use podcasting applications. My personal favorite on Android is Beyond Pod, which does a really good, it's just called Beyond Pod. And uh, uh, it works real good. And a lot of people like to listen to the shows the next day when they're at work or just kind of, you know, uh, dancing around in their moo-moos, uh, you know, clean, uh, washing the dishes, <laughs> whatever. Okay. But um, so – we have um, a lot of folks nowadays uh, because of how busy things and crazy things are and because of the craziness that's on the news, even in the evening that they want to watch, that they will uh, shift over to podcasting apps and listen to them. And iTunes works really well beyond pod. There's so many different podcasting applications out there that can get tribulation now. I can't tell you all of them because I just don't know all of them. Um, but I do have people emailing me and saying, well, you know, if, if there's a problem, I'll hear somebody, somebody will email me and say, I'm using the Ichabod Crane Donald Duck application and it's, something's not working. And, you know, then I'll tell them, well, it's trying a couple of hours or whatever, and it usually fixes itself. But I did want to just kind of not war- necessarily warn people, but advise uh, as someone who has uh, – you know, probably a generous amount of technical expertise that, um, uh, you know, based upon some of the things that I've been seeing out there, it would not be unreasonable to expect that eventually uh, the sensor engines will be spread to the individual local machine or device level. Uh, and if that does occur, it's going to, uh, you know, the, the kinds of artificial intelligence engines that have been built onto YouTube, for example, we, we had to move off of YouTube. Uh, it was proactively a choice. Uh, Brother Jimmy Buchanan in Scotland, uh, actually, I think he's in England right now. Uh, I'm not sure if he's back at home, but anyway... Um, he just had a baby, so congratulations to Jimmy. Uh, but anyway, he's been doing the YouTube uploads for Tribulation Now for, wow, wow, many, 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 many years. I don't know, probably 10 or more. Well, uh, YouTube has created an artificial intelligence engine that even Glenn Beck is trying to duck. He won't say words like global reset. I don't care. They can, I just, you know, if I had any concerns whatsoever, now Glenn Beck wants to maintain his presence on YouTube. Uh, Tribulation Now has already, oops, I don't want to use that word. We have uh, turned away, (laughs) if you can guess what word I was about to use. We have turned away radically from our usage of YouTube um, because Jimmy was telling me, Johnny, you know, every, every single one of the shows that I try to upload to YouTube are getting blocked. We're getting warnings. They're going to shut us down. And I told him, uh, oh, oh, well, then just shut it down. Just go ahead and let them do whatever they want to do, uh, turn and, and, and change and put everything over on BitChute. Okay, so now uh, we have um, Tribulation Now's um, radio shows are being, you know, 
there's some there's sometimes there's a delay because Jimmy's got a new child and new baby and everything and so he's he you know busy beyond belief with his job and everything else under the sun and he helps out and has helped out this program now for uh wow like a decade or whatever or more uh with the uploads to um BitChute and well actually it was YouTube for the longest time and now we've moved over to BitChute now um I don't really know I can try to take a look and see if I can find it uh, hold on a second. Two, um, here we go. All right, let me just see if I can find it's. It's a little bit difficult because I just am so body slammed busy uh, with. Um, uh, hold on a second. Nope, that's not it. I'll try another one. Uh, here we go. Uh, here we go. Show links. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna go. Okay. So we're, evidently Jimmy has is putting our programs up on uh, BitChute and Rumble. Now, I'm, this isn't an area of my expertise, but Jimmy knows a lot more about it than I do. Now, I'm looking at the BitChute thing, and um, he, what he has... Father, okay, we praise your holy there name. There you go. So, yeah, it's actually auto-playing. So at BitChute.com, you would have to search on Tribulation Now Radio one word, and you would be able to find the programs on BitChute because they are not... Uh, like YouTube and doing active censoring on keywords. Okay, so that's why Glenn Beck was changing words like global reset and things like that uh, because YouTube is actively scanning the audio streams that people are uploading to YouTube with artificial intelligence engines that can detect keywords. And then when they hear the keywords together in groups like global reset 2.0 or whatever, uh, then they block them. Okay, and then they send them a warning, and then they get rid of them. As a matter of fact, right now, um, it, this is how severely bad this stuff is right now. I mean, we're so further – I don't know how to express this to you folks, but I'm just here to tell you things are so much more worse than you know. I, I, I guarantee it. I guarantee that whatever – however bad you think things are or might be, you're probably not very close. They're way, way worse. Okay, uh, so the bit shoot again. If you do go to bit shoot, it's Tribulation Now Radio is what he named it, Brother Jimmy. It's got you know a small number of subscribers now, but uh, that that may grow over time. Also, uh, for Rumble, he has it. Let me see what he calls it now on Rumble. I don't know if this will autoplay or not. Uh, on Rumble, that's interesting. Uh, I don't. Oh yeah, no, it's called the same thing, Tribulation Now Radio. So he so he created one on BitChute and one on Rumble, and he's uploading them there. So for those of you who prefer to use those formats, well, there you go. You know about it now. And I'll try to remember to repeat that more and more often because not everybody listens to every show, uh, which is fine. And of course, um, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. No, I'm just joking. I, kids, is that funny or what? I rebuke you for not listening to every single show. <laughs> No, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I, you know, we're we're insanely busy now. Everybody is. We're all just trying to keep it together. Uh, we're all in this. Uh, we're all in this together. Uh, and um, and you know, we you know, th- there are still people out there that are at different stages of waking up. We've been doing this for eleven years. We've known about shape shifting reptilians. We've known about um, these these really creepy, weird things. You know, all this 
incredibly weird stuff, intergalactic travel, uh, you know, all, all the, the UFO phenomenon, all these different things. We've known about them in a very advanced um, capacity now for uh, 11 years. Now, 11 years ago, I didn't know everything that I know now, of course, because you incrementally learn a little bit more every year as you continuously get rid of the old, antiquated, incorrect information that was uh, preached to you over 30, 40, 50 years of time in churchianity, okay, because the preachers and teachers that are out there in churchianity, which, by the way, they're not bad necessarily because they don't understand these advanced things. Uh, In some cases, maybe they are a little bit bad, uh, maybe a little bit negligent. Maybe they should be telling people more things than they are telling them. And then that, unfortunately, makes them eligible for the judgments in, uh, I believe, it's uh, Ezekiel 34, which scare me. Uh, but anyway, I don't I, – I probably don't have – here, hold on just a second. I, I, yeah, oh, I do. Praise God, I do have that up. I don't know if I have my – hold on a second. No, I don't have my – let me see if my, my PC study Bible comes up all the way. Sometimes when I'm running a program, it won't load all the way because it's just a monster of an application with over 22 different it's, – it's got something like 30 or 35 different um, – to, you know, grand total of translations, the Septuagint. Uh, it's oh man, it's just a monster of an application, but it does appear to be working right now. Praise God. Uh, so let me see here. So of course, if I'm right, if I, if my memory serves me right, and it's, it's I'm getting older and slower every day. Uh, but Ezekiel 34. Uh, if it comes up, now I'm waiting, it may stall, and that would be my fault for not loading it earlier. Yeah, it's kind of spinning. It might not come up. That's not what I would like to see happen. Um, but I'll jump over here to um, to this other. Let me hold on a second. Ezekiel 34, praise God. Oh, yeah, Irresponsible Shepherds is what it's called. Now, that, by the way, is, um, yeah, that is the new, that is the subtitle for uh, Ezekiel 34 in the New King James Bible. All right, praise God. Now, unfortunately, uh, because I, I, I did not pre-launch my PC study Bible, I've got to kill it uh, using an advanced uh, uh method on my computer, so hopefully it doesn't dump, dump the program. Praise Jesus. No, it won't. Uh, thank you, Father. All right. Amen. So I just killed that. Now, but the irresponsible shepherd section in Ezekiel 34 is applicable to us today. Now, one of the mistakes that, that churchianity makes, and people that are, quote, so-called trained by theological institutions and Bible colleges, one of the common mistakes they make is they are taught in their Bible colleges that context is vitally important. That is a lie from the devil, and that is not how proper Bible understanding comes about. Proper Bible understanding comes about when you realize that Jesus is our Heavenly Father, and our Heavenly Father is Jesus. They are one. Okay, John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. Proper Bible understanding and um, uh, translation really comes about when you start to spiritually discern, which, by the way, that term is uh, biblical, and I can show you that as well. Um, it, it, it comes about when you realize that um, there's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of dozens of there's even a Bible uh, version that has blue letter text of every time Jesus is mentioned in the Old Testament. But it you don't know it. 
you don't see it you you know but but they there are scholars out there that have gone through the old testament and said hey hey i'm going to go ahead and uh make all the words all the prophetic words or all the references to jesus in the old testament i'm going to make them blue in color which i think is awesome and cool and i have that version of the bible it's very neat now um uh but anyway when you read Ephesians 2, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, those scriptures, you see that, that the Lord Jesus Christ has broken down the middle wall of separation, making the two into one, the Jew and the Gentile. You also will take note, if you are a reader of the Bible and if you've been mistrained by churchianity, you will uh, take note that uh, Israel is God's wife. Okay, and you might say, no way, and I'm here to tell you, yes way. Okay, because in Hosea 2, verses 19 through 20, our Heavenly Father prophetically states to Israel, I will betroth thee. I will marry you. Now, so, and then you get into Galatians where Paul really expands upon these concepts, and he says, uh, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither man nor woman, but we are all one body in Christ. Okay, so when you start to put these things together, you you if you have the appropriate, if you flushed the ugly out of your understanding of the Holy Bible that you've had injected into you by the ignorance that is behind the pulpit, sorry, but it's true, what will happen is your heart will open up and you will start to see this amazing spiritual synergy that exists across the entire Old and New Testament. And you will realize, you know, things like, well, Jesus had to go down to limbo to go get, which is an upper level of hell. So Dante's version of multiple levels of hell is actually correct. And there was, uh, it's actually a very nice place. It's called limbo. And all of the patriarchs of the Old Testament had to stay in limbo. Of course, the Catholics twisted it and turned it into purgatory so that they could, you know, bilk people out of money and tell them that they could pay extra money if they had uh, relatives that were unbelievers and they could get them out of purgatory, which was a lie from the devil. That's what Catholics are famous for, twisting the scripture just enough to put people in jeopardy of their salvation. Anyway, you know, if the only thing, if the only one that a Catholic person has ever confessed of their sins to is some guy behind some kind of a black curtain in a Catholic church, then they're in deep dookie. I'm sorry, because there's none of that. And this Mary, 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 Mary stuff is no good, because Jesus Christ is our only uh, uh, um, uh, intercessor. There is no praying to Mary. Sorry, if you think that you're allowed to do that because you're from the Church of England or or whatever, no, you can't. You're not allowed. It, 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 is, it is an offense to God to do those things. Okay, so I don't know about y'all, but I, don't want to, I wouldn't want to be going there. And, of course, I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not making friends right now. But you know what? When you do hear the, the truth of the, what's in the Holy Bible, uh, you know, Catholics are actually admonished not to read the Bible. I don't know. Now, not, not all of them. Some of them, the progressive, some of the more progressive ones in the United States especially are very advanced. And praise God for that. I think that's wonderful. I even knew of a Catholic priest um, up in, I believe, in Pennsylvania somewhere 
that um, uh, became so awake and aware to the power of the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ that he was given the, uh, the, power, the Holy Spirit gift of divine healing, miracle healing, and uh, people were like rode up. They, they, there were hundreds of people that would go to his church, and they would stand in lines, and he would lay hands on them, and, and God would work miracles through him, and uh, people were getting healed like crazy. So um, uh, God does amazing things. Uh, and, uh, you know, to just, you know, generalize and say, well, you know, all Mormons are going to hell. That's absolutely ridiculous. God looks at the heart. God tests the heart. That's, you know, we don't know what people are thinking. What we can, what I can tell you is that I have, uh, uh, over the years collected an, an innumerable number of, um, uh, prophecies or I'm sorry, visions, if you will. One of them is from, uh, Dr. David O'Rourke, uh, uh, and there's others, many others, um, where people had seen the rapture take place. Now, at that time, they only knew, and still to this day, many of them only know of one rapture event. And I'm not going to get into the details of that. That's a whole other preaching. I've already done that preaching and teaching, and I have it recorded, and it's available. Now, um, all that being said, uh, when they did see it occur, they were standing usually in a very, very large, large group of people. Some, in some cases, it could be a revival with 30,000 people. You know, who knows? Tens of thousands of people at it. But in both, in multiple cases where they were either standing in a church, a relatively large congregation church, or they were at some sort of a massive revival, when they were in those locations, they only saw approximately 2% of the people there make the rapture. Now, I'm here to tell you that that would have had to have been the barley harvest, uh, not the wheat, because that's going to be happening after the three days of darkness in the midst of the day of the Lord. And that will be, that's why that's referred to as the final harvest of the unsaved. Um, it's, you know, and, and people will say things like, well, the missiles come down and we go up. What they don't understand is that that's in the middle of the day of the Lord. Okay. But that's okay. Um, I, I had the flush away all the Lord himself, our heavenly father told me, I heard his voice. Uh, and, uh, you know, it wasn't audible. It wasn't like rushing thunder or a giant waterfall. But he said to me, I was in tears telling him I didn't want to do this program. It's too, you know, the responsibility is too great. I'm unqualified, that kind of thing. And he basically said to me, you're going to have to get rid of everything you ever learned to go where I need to take you. That was the message that he, he conveyed to me in the spirit. Standing out back out out back of my house with tears in my eyes, uh, and um, anyway, so when you read the irresponsible shepherds and it says, "Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves, that is taking tithes and offerings, should not the shepherds feed the flock, warn them about things like hellfire? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool." You you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock and tell them about things like hell and heaven and, you know, the repercussions of their behaviors. They don't teach properly in the church. They jump around and they get all happy and they're, 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 they, they love to say all kinds of wonderful things about Jesus and get everybody excited. And woo-hoo, woo-hoo. But they don't never put the negative battery on the battery terminal. And that ain't okay with our Heavenly Father. It wasn't okay with Jesus either, because he warned us. 
So anyway, um, uh, you know, I just wanted to I, I wanted to point out not necessarily just the the synergy of the Holy Bible and how spiritual discernment is far more powerful than context, contextual understanding is the least of most persons' concerns. But the churches teach the opposite because they have gone to corrupted, satanically controlled Bible uh, teaching. Entities. Now, some of them are not. Some of them are private. I'm not going to get into naming names or whatever. But boy, if you folks had been exposed to the things that I've been exposed to and met the people that the Lord had had me meet uh, in person and heard what they had said to me in person and coming from places like Oral Roberts University and places like that, I'm not picking on Oral Roberts. I'm not saying it's good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, but I am telling you, I have met a fully trained, certified, the whole deal major degree from Oral Roberts University say things to me that could only come from the net mouth of Satan himself. And now I'm not impeaching the entire university. That's not what I'm doing because every person is an individual. But I also tell you that statistically, 50% of people who enter into theological training in a major theological university, 50% leave the colleges in their first year as atheists. Because part of their training is what's known as international uh, theological studies, and they are forced to learn about things like being a Muslim and being a Hindu and being a Buddhist, and they get all confused, and they're like, okay, and then they don't – they become unbelievers. That's actually a, – a, a, that used to be a verifiable statistic. It's probably worse now. All right, so anyway, I just want to let you know that um, uh, I do anticipate – an uptick in censorship, and I do anticipate that censorship being eventually taken to the individual device, the Apple device, the Android device, the browser level, things like that. So I wanted to share with you about the Rumble location. Um, it, I don't know if he calls it, he might call it Trib Dash Now. That might be the name, although I see Tribulation Now Radio uh, also there, so you would want to try both of those. Um, and then, of course, also the BitChute location. Uh, again, uh, it appears that he used, uh, Brother Jimmy used the term uh, Tribulation Now Radio, one word. This is one word. There's not spaces between a word. It's one word. Tribulation Now Radio, one word. All right, both locations. All right, praise God. So I want to help you out with that. Also let you know that, um, oh, I also wanted to let you know uh, for some folks, uh, there are folks who like to listen to the live stream, but they'll get disconnected for whatever reason. I don't know. It could be anything. Uh, maybe it's censorship. Maybe it's weirdness. Maybe it's satanic. We don't know. Maybe it's demons. We don't know. But I will uh, share this tidbit with you that might help you. In some cases, uh, if you do have trouble listening to the live stream, you can dial. Well, not in some cases, in almost in virtually every case. If you choose, you can dial 319-527-6020. Again, 319-527-6020. And you can actually listen over your phone if you want. Okay, and by the way, if you do that, if the guest is running long and you can tell they're going to probably go past the 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time hour at 9.30 p.m. on most programs, not every single program, but on most, 
we cut off. The live stream goes blank and everybody's confused and they're like, well, the person was still talking and now I can't hear them anymore because I was listening to my Chrome browser or whatever. All right. Um, and also you can try Firefox. You can even try uh, the um, I've noticed that Google Chrome is getting worse in a lot of ways than even Microsoft Edge. And I don't really know anything about why. And I don't worry about it. There's plenty else to worry about. But you can dial that number 319 when you can listen to your telephone, even when the show goes into overtime past the 930 mark. Okay, praise God. But um, because I've been doing this for 11 years and I was in my, gosh, what, what's uh, 60 years old minus 11? So I would have been like 49, 48-ish around about the time, uh, probably 47 when I started the, the website. Uh, so anyway, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting ancient. I mean, pretty long. Up. That's not long from now before I'll be uh, I'll be like Joe Biden, you know, like uh, shaking hands with the air and waiting for Obama to tell me what to say. No, I'm just joking. I, I'm not going to say anything. The Andy Gray says I, he makes me want to puke. But anyway, that's a whole other problem. I, I got to, you know, I, he does. It, it's just too sickening to think that. Michelle Obama is a man and that there's web there there are videos out there of her dancing in tights and it's 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 I'll call it an it it's um appendage is very very visible far more visible than I wish I had ever seen and there are things that you can't unsee and when you can't unsee then you remember about it it's pretty nauseating quite frankly all right, um, and thank goodness the kids were distracted. Thank you, Spanky, for hang, handing out ice cream cones at just the nick of time. <laughs> okay, so the Jesus kids didn't hear about Michael, did you, kids? You didn't hear about Michael, did you? Okay, Whew. I was a little worried about that. Okay, praise God. Now, um, we only got 20 minutes to do the this show, so kids, is it okay if I skip the uh, jokes tonight for you? you? You understand, you're cool Jesus kids, aren't you? All right. So on that note, we're going to go right into the news, praise God, but I want to kick it off with this audio bite, a blast from the past. It's amazing. I've got over 200 audio clips over the 11 years of doing this program on, I've been with Blog Talk that long, and um, I have over 200 audio clips, and many of them cannot be found anywhere in the world anymore. The only place they exist in the world is right here. Now, I don't want that to sound like, <laughs> you know, a commercial or anything, but I'm just telling you it's a fact. Because what I did was for, golly, seven, eight years straight, I used to upload every audio bite of everything that I could ever get my hands on. I have reptilian clips. Uh, I got it's, it's unbelievable. I have a whole collection of stuff on reptilians. I could do an entire show on reptilians. Shapeshifting, and now I understand how they operate and why they're able to manipulate mass in this particular realm. But the Lord imparts those sorts of mysteries to you over time. It takes a long time to get, you know. But I've, you know, I've always assumed, praise Jesus, because the Lord instructed me so, that I'm wrong, or that I only have part of the story. So no matter what I think at any given time, I always assume 1 Corinthians 8, 2, if anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet as they ought to know. When, you, when that is your mindset, you are uniquely qualified to receive extremely 
noteworthy and Im- incredible mysteries from our Heavenly Father. If anyone, thinks wi- any, if anyone wants wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given them. But you've got to understand that when you're getting into the really advanced stuff, um, that's when, uh, um, uh, for example, that's when the scripture from uh, Luke 8, verse 17 through 18 comes into place where it says, for nothing is secret that will not be revealed or anything hidden that will not be known upon the light. So take heed how you hear, how, 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 how you hear. Because if you hear with bias in your heart, or you hear because your preacher told you something 30 years ago, or you, uh, whatever, or you're you're Catholic and you want to pray to Mary and you don't care what I say, or whatever, then guess what? You're going to hear. You're stuck, and you're going to have to pay the price. And that price might be one really doggone ugly price, and I don't want that to happen to you. The whole reason I do this program, I don't collect tithes and offerings. I don't know what the Lord has for my future. It's a miracle that this show is still going right now. I guarantee it. And I could give you testimonies that would just blow your mind. It would fry your mind. You would be like, no way that happened. And I'd be, uh, yes way. But the problem is now at this point in my life, my testimony is so huge, it would probably take a good six hours to give the whole thing. And I would probably forget a bunch of stuff along the way and go like, oh, doggone it. I forgot to mention the time that I was in the Navy and this and that and the other thing, all that kind of stuff. All right. So anyway, praise God. I just want to share that all with you and let you know. And I'm going to give you a taste right now, even at the risk of running a little overtime uh, for our guest, uh, because we can always have her, you know, go, because I think she's, she, we only tell the guests that they have an hour, but we bleed, we give them an extra half an hour to bleed over. Uh, but anyway, uh, because I overrun the eight o'clock hour often with the news, because the news is overwhelming. I can't keep up with it all. I mean, I really have to cherry pick through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of apocalyptic news articles that are sent to me by blessed saints. Uh, and then I have to pick like the top ones of those. So you're only hearing the top stuff. There's tons of other ones that I just don't have time to get to. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But I want to play you this audio bite. It is six minutes and 30 seconds long. But you know what? Oh, and by the way, I'm 99.99999% sure, although I could be wrong, First Corinthians 8, 2, if anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing, yet they ought to know. But I'm pretty sure that this one's been taken down like a long, long, long time ago. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And here it is. And it is, oh boy. Wait till you hear this. Talk about being relevant for today. We're going to touch upon this in the next 15 minutes, maybe the next 20 minutes, depending on if how far past 8 o'clock I have to run over. All right, and then we just pray that Sister Rosemary will be patient, which she will be because, you know, good, kind Christians are. And listen to this. America is still deep in denial, which is the first stage of the awakening. This denial will be wiped away when the dollar collapses. For now, the economy is still functioning and food and fuel are still available. The lights turn on and American Idol is still the center of attention. Americans still have the illusion of wealth and normalcy. They are still stuck in the false left-right paradigm and think that some other sock puppet will turn things around. When the dollar collapses, all American illusions will collapse with it. Deep denial will turn into deep anger. The violence I expect in all urban areas in the United States will make all other global riots pale in comparison. America is deeply infused with arrogance, denial, narcissism, drugs, and violence. There is no other society that I know of that has the degree of intensity and combination of these factors. So here are the five reasons why American riots will be the worst in the world. Number one, arrogance. And it seems that I can hear God saying to America, you are too arrogant. 
All of our lives we've been fed the lie that somehow we are better than everybody else. We believe this so much that we feel it's morally acceptable to stick our noses in everybody's business. We have 777 military bases all over the world. Our currency is the world's reserve currency. We control most of the international organizations like the UN, IMF, and World Bank. We control the world's shipping lanes. Our media is the most popular and sought-after propaganda in the world. Our corporations harvest the resources that our empire provides. This has led to the feeling that the American way of life is not negotiable. We print debt and we consume. This way of life was only possible by the very real and hard sacrifices made by Americans long dead. America today is nothing more than a spoiled brat blowing through the last of its inheritance. The only thing that the United States is number one at is spreading debt and death. This American arrogance will be turned on to other Americans as the dollar collapses. We will no longer be able to maintain a global empire of force without a functioning currency. All of our troops will be forced to come home and we will no longer be able to import 25% of the world's oil. This sudden shift will turn arrogant Americans on each other as they seek to enforce their inflated sense of self-worth onto others. They will think that the world somehow owes them something and they believe that lesser people should be made to sacrifice for them. After all, Dick Cheney did say the American way of life is not negotiable. Everything is fine today. That is our illusion. Voltaire. The second factor, and what will make American riots the worst, is denial. For those that aren't arrogant, they are in denial, and somehow they will be okay, as they are good people. They believe that America will recover and the American dream is still alive. They believe this because they either lack the ability to logically see through the lies, or they believe that people ruling them have the same morals as they do. You cannot spread freedom with war. A nation cannot enforce their will upon another nation any more than you can enforce your will upon another. There will always be blowback, and of course that is the plan of your rulers. They do not share the same values as you do. They seek to create chaos and division so that they can garner more power and profits. You can ignore reality, but you cannot ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. Ayn Rand. The dollar collapse will end the ability of the average American to deny their active or passive participation in the dominance of the world by spreading debt and death. When people's entire life savings are wiped away, they will wonder what their life has been all about. All of the missed times with their family, connections with others, have been stained by the pursuit of material gains. Only when everything is taken from them will they start to see the real importance of life. Many will not be able to come to terms with this coming reality. Number three on the list is narcissism. The amount of narcissism in America is epidemic. The fascination with celebrities and their clothes consumes so many women. Men are addicted to worshiping sports figures. We have a fear of competition and we view others as enemies. This leads to shallow and transitory relationships. Americans consume their way into debt as they try to create an outer facade to hide the inner void in their vapid lives. The baby boomer generation is known as the me generation. Their obsessive pursuit of material possessions was matched by their embrace of debt. The dollar collapse is going to hit the baby boomers the hardest as they're forced to come to terms with the trail of pain that they have left in their wake. Broken families and debt are just the tip of the iceberg. The war and the debt machines they enabled and unleashed upon the world is a much harder reality that they will have to deal with. The real problem is the sad fact that most of them will be too old to get a second chance on life. Number four, drugs. Millions of Americans have turned to drugs to fill the void of their true purpose in their lives. Instead of dealing with a past hurt or seeking a higher purpose in their lives by helping others and using their natural talents to make the world better, people turn to drugs. The worst kind of drugs are the ones that people believe that are making them better. Powerful psychotropic drugs like selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or more commonly known as SSRIs or antidepressants. These drugs are extremely powerful and can cause psychotic breaks that lead to violence if they come off them too soon. I would say that these drugs are much more powerful than guns because they cause people to break from reality and cause violence. But I do want to warn everybody of one thing. Nearly 10% of the country, or 27 million Americans, are on these antidepressants. 
Knowing that there is only a one-month supply in the system and the kind of psychotic breaks that will happen if these people come off these drugs too fast, this is definitely not a good thing. When the dollar collapses, we will not only have to worry about the 7-10 to 10 day supply of food and fuel in the system, we will also have to worry about the 1 in 10 Americans who are not going to be medicated when their world paradigm collapses. The fifth reason why American riots will be the worst is violence. Violence has been a part of the American culture since the beginning of our country. We have the most armed population and the highest crime rates in the world. The violence we will see in some parts of this country will be as bad as the reign of terror from the French Revolution. Some parts of this country will try to confront a post-dollar paradigm by embracing freedom and honest money. Others will try to hold on to power by becoming more tyrannical and finding enemies with their neighbors. We are surrounded by violence, and we have been desensitized to antisocial behavior. Our movies and video games show killings of others, but rarely the consequences of those actions. Other antisocial behavior has been normalized. I even realized that some of my favorite shows, like Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm, was really all about normalizing antisocial behavior. In fact, in the season finale of Seinfeld, it was based off of a man getting mugged, and all four main characters not only not helping the man, but actually making fun of the man as he's violently robbed. This lack of empathy is at the root of our problems. So now we have a society that cares only about themselves and their own materialistic needs, but we also have a society that no longer cares about other people's feelings. The American riots will be the worst in the world because of the amount of arrogance, denial, narcissism, drugs, and violence in our country. These factors are systemic and affect every level of society. I do fear that our nation is sick enough to unleash a series of false flag events and spread our violence even further. Now, do you know that that is about eight years old? Mm-hmm. Think you can find it on the Internet? I don't think so. <laughs> That is prophetic, and we are already seeing a lot of the things that this particular gentleman, who I do not know, uh, uh, you know, uh, has been talking about. We're seeing them in action at this time. This is not something in the future. We're already seeing these things happening. So, h- how prophetic is it? It's it's astonishing, and um and and what's worse is he 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 nailed it. He it's so beyond. It's it's prophetic. It's prophetic, prophetic, prophetic. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And um, and it's uh, horrifying, really, when you think about it, because what I want to I'm just going to tell you this, uh, you know, without I don't want to run out. I'm way out of time, but it's it's just so important. And I'm just going to trust that Sister Rosemary will hang in there for me. But um, here's the thing. I have I, I have conversations. I'm exposed to a lot of people. I, I'm exposed to churchianity people. I'm exposed to evangelical Christian churchianity people. I'm exposed to unbelievers. I'm exposed to people in multiple countries all over the world. I, I get communications from all over the world, uh, you know, from unbelievably like something like 20 or 30 different news outlets all over the world. And I'm just telling you, folks, I've had conversations with unbelievers and their fury, their anger is unbelievable. They are so angry. They want to kill somebody. They want to go to the streets. It's already in progress. Don't even get me going on this weirdness that's going on with the, the January 6th stuff, because it's all lies. It's a false flag. It's lies from the devil. It's it's unbelievable. All right, so anyway, on that note, um, unfortunately, I went way over time, but I really wanted to play that because, and I'm going to be playing more and more of the audio books that I've saved up, the hundreds of them, uh, at different times, and a lot of them are absolutely mind-shattering, and they are no longer available due to censorship, 
on the Internet. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's go ahead and go right into the news. I'm not even going to do the longer stingers. I'm going to go straight in to the news immediately. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. I praise God. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and put my eyes on the call, Doc, uh, because uh, Sister Rosemary will be probably calling in any moment. Uh, and I, I'm going to have to, when I see her connect, I'm going to have to make sure I let her know. Hang in there for me. We're finishing up the news. Praise God. All right, the first one up. Listen to this. This, this, this. So this is written by some woman by the name of Moriah or Moira Donegan. And let me just tell you something. The look on her face could kill. Okay, and the title of the article is the United States Supreme Court is letting prayer back into the schools. I see it looks like Sister uh, Rosemary has connected up to the program. Uh, No, no, wait a minute. Yes. Yes, it is. Sister Rosemary, I just want to let you know, um, this is Johnny, and um, we we are a little bit behind on the news. So hang in there for me. Plus, we can go an extra half an hour if you feel led. So we always have that extra time and, you know, big into the program just in case uh, we have to run over a little bit on the news. But there's so much apocalyptic news right now, uh, and I'm running a little bit behind. But hang in there for me, and I'll be bringing you live uh, very soon. All right, praise God. All right, so anyway, uh, this, uh, the, the, the headline that is being reported by this very angry individual is, quote, the United States Supreme Court is letting prayer back in the public schools. This is unsettling, this furious, angry person says. Now, the article goes on and it makes this big case, but it's all about that guy, the fellow that uh, uh, decided that he was going to do prayer, uh, at, you know, in, his, in a public school uh, during the football games. And it turned into this big deal. And anyway, it, it made it all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court uh, ruled in his favor. Uh, so they're doing all kinds. As a matter of fact, uh, there's uh, been threats uh, on uh, um not just Kavanaugh's life, but uh, others' lives. As a matter of fact, I, I heard uh, there was a, a Thomas, uh, Clarence Thomas had uh, verbal live threats made on his life on YouTube. YouTube let them up, did not censor them, and then, uh, and of course, then they take down everything else. All right, so as we know, what's happening right now is it, it's, it, so what it is is they're never going to get in trouble and they're never going to get stopped. Now, I don't want to get into the Elon Musk Twitter thing because who knows what's going to happen with that. But anyway, it's beyond the scope of this program. Uh, but the National Security Agency, the reason – see, they're, they're in bed – they're all in bed with the, the black ops. Okay, I'm just letting you know that. So the information that Google and all this information that they collect about all of us and collecting from our phones and everything else for like forever, okay, that information is stored in supercomputers. They are um, approached by black operations or black state slate projects that are above top secret, and they go in and they meet with them, and then they make, uh, you know, that's, that's just how they operate. So this stuff is considered to be a matter of national security, and that's why it's never going to go away. And that's why they're never going to get in trouble for what they do. That's why. But, again, it's probably, you know, that, that I could do with a two-hour radio show on just that topic alone. Praise God. Next one up. 
Praise Jesus. All right, Biden administration considering abortion mills, abortion mills on federal properties. So now they are looking for ways to get around what's going on right now. Um, Texas, there has even been rumors flying around that Texas might start giving, uh, having uh, young women of uh, birthing age, uh, uh, you know, uh, prove that they're, you know, using pregnancy tests to prove that they are pregnant before they allow them to get on an airplane. Uh, to go to another state. So there's all kinds of interesting things that are going on, and the governors and the various state AGs are fighting one another viciously right now over this subject. And there is so so much vitriol and hatred on social media over uh, the prayer judgment uh, or ruling uh, that just came out, and also uh, Roe, the Roe reversal. Uh, that we I don't think we humans understand the magnitude of the fury. That exists out there right now. I've experienced it. I have, you know, in in the in the capacity the Lord has placed me in in my life, I get to speak to a exceedingly diverse cross section of the human global population, and I am here to tell you, the people in the United States of America have no idea what they're in for. It is going to be horrifically horrible. I mean, I can't. There aren't words. I can't I cannot use clean language and describe how bad things are going to get. It's not it's just not possible. All right, praise God, thank you Jesus. Next one up. Judges across the United States blocking anti-abortion trigger laws in wake of the high court's ruling. So many of the states had automatic trigger laws that were established so that the moment that Roe was reversed if it ever was reversed, that immediately in their states they would ban abortion. Boom, it would just immediately happen. Well, now they've got a bunch of judges, which, of course, are owned by the Soros operation and the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate. They're in their pockets, and they are – and these judges are coming out, and they're blocking the trigger laws. Okay, so they, I mean this is literally unbelievable. I mean we're talking about – I'm going to get into it all, folks. I mean, again, 2000mules.com. Watch it, please. Watch it, please. I'm not going to say, oh, you don't want to spend 20 bucks? That's too bad because you know what? It's probably the best bucks you've ever spent in your life. All right, praise God. But anyway, 2000mules.com, praise Jesus. I went ahead and bought the DVD. Next one up. Train services cut as the RMT rail strike enters the third day. Now, that is finally ended over in, but boy, that was turning uh, your, uh, uh, the United Kingdom upside down, and people were, oh, my gosh, it was unbelievable. I know people personally that are over, and I talk to them regularly in, in the U.K., praise God. All right, next one up. Infant denied, an infant, a little baby, is denied life-saving transplant. Why? Because it wasn't vaccinated. I'm not even going to comment on that. All, all I got to say is keep your KO pectate handy. Next one up. Health officials scrambled to ramp up monkeypox testing amid increasing demand. And they've had the first monkeypox outbreak. I don't know if it's more than one person or if it's – I don't know. Uh, there's not a lot of details on it, but they said somewhere in the uh, uh, either Illinois or Missouri, I forget which one, uh, somebody got, you know, monkeypox. Now, is it is it uh, you know another one of those Fauci attacks to humanity? Is it something else they dorked around with with gain of function over in uh, some kind of a Chinese or perhaps Ukrainian lab? We do not know the answer to this. And if it is, folks, brace yourself because even the Biden administration has coming out, and he, he that guy is not 
he's not human. They're, it's an entity. And, um, and not to mention one with dementia, to make matters even worse. And Obama's pulling the marionette strings behind the scenes. But that's really well known. You can type that into any search engine and you will be overwhelmed. Of course, if you put it into Google, you'll, it'll be like fact check, fact check, fact check. Fact check is really, you got to turn it upside down like it says in Isaiah 29. They turn everything upside down. You got to flip it around and say, lie check, lie check. Anyway, anyway, they're, the, they're liars. These people are paid informants. They are paid big money. All right, anyway, praise Jesus, hallelujah. Let's move forward. In extreme heat wave engulfs Iran, main city, major cities, and it just gives you just a humongous list. But they're breaking 107 degrees in different places in Iran, 112 in one particular location. And, well, that's enough to kill somebody, especially if they don't have – and a lot of these countries don't have air conditioning. India doesn't – because of the custom of government, there are probably over a billion people in India that don't have any form of air conditioning, and the best they can get is a fan. And when they go to 117, 120 degrees Fahrenheit overnight, guess what? They die. Okay, they will actually come out. Uh, you know, in uh, in uh, I'm trying to remember what town it is, um, Lahore, Pakistan. They actually take their bedding, their clothing bedding, and their pillows and stuff, and they go out and they lay in the dirt streets so that they can sleep. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I, there was a precious uh, saint. She was a young lady, and she loved Jesus, and she would talk to me all the time, but it was clandestine and quiet and covert because uh, if her parents knew that she loved the Lord and was listening to this radio show, they would take her out in the streets and stone her to death. Okay. Next one up. Modern vaccine increases myocarditis, that heart thing that kills you, by 44 times in young adults, according to a peer-reviewed medical study. But are they going to do anything about it? No. Why? Because it's part of a global satanic crime syndicate, and they are exceedingly powerful, and they are more powerful than the president of the United States. That's like way down the list of power. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Also, I wanted to let you know, if you want to learn what's really going on with Russia and the Ukraine and NATO and all that kind of stuff, you want to get a whole other perspective from a man who dedicated his life in the United States Marine Corps and, had a, you know, he was uh, part of the CIA and his specialization was Russia. That's what he studied. That's what he's an expert on. And if you want to hear what he has to say, you can go to YouTube.com. He's still on there. And just type in the word Scott Ritters, S-C-O-T-T-R-I-T-T-E-R. And he has an entire uh, website or uh, YouTube channel. I think it's just simply called Scott Ace Ritter. And you can listen to his uh, discussions. And it's absolutely astonishing the things that you'll learn. Praise God. I could just do endless shows with just that alone. It would blow your mind. All right. Uh, next up, hallelujah. Okay. Oh, oh, hit the wrong button. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So here's some information that you are not, not ever going to hear in this country, which is just the lie capital world. All right. It's, and right here, this is out. This is directly from Belarus and uh, Russia. And their, uh, their public statement is, we are very concerned about the issues of training flights of the United States and NATO aircraft that are training the pilots to carry nuclear warheads. This is very annoying to us, according to Lukashenko. 
talk about the understatement of the century. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. India's Russian oil imports have jumped 50 times now for 10% of all imports. Think about all of the countries, I'm sorry, major corporations in the United States of Babylon the Great that have offshored their workforce to India. Now, India, of course, was one of the original uh, joiners of the BRICS financial uh, uh, consortium. And there are now Argentina is about to join them. And also so is Iran. And you can expect a lot more of them to join BRICS as they see Obama Biden uh, destroying the United States of Babylon, which is prophetically state clearly and clearly stated in the Holy Bible. Hallelujah. All right. Next one up. Financial Times reports that the uh, that uh, the West fails to isolate is failing to isolate Russia, according to the Financial Times. And it says most other countries have not joined the West. Not every summit is a festival of Western cinema where Zelensky became the main character. And it goes on. So, again, and more and more and more and more and more Africans, Arabs, Latin American countries, they are all like, are you kidding me? We're not going to do any of that weird stuff. And there are even European uh, EU countries right now that are trying desperately to get the oil from Russia uh, because they know that uh, winter is approaching and they're going to die. They're going to die. It's just that simple. All right, next one up. Russia is ready to fill its obligation to supply energy and fertilizers. This is a uh, report that came out of Russia, and it was actually on their television. To, and it was, you know, it was worldwide. Anybody could tune into it, but it's all blocked. It's all censored over here in the United States of Babylon and probably most of the EU. But Russia came forward and announced to the world that we have all the fertilizer you need. We have all the grain that you need. We have all the energy and the oil that you need. You do not have to suffer, and we are willing to share it. think you're ever going to hear it over here. Well, you got another thing coming. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Hallelujah. The, uh, the United States is using Ukraine as a weapon against Russia. Anybody who hasn't figured that out by now, I'm sorry for you. We'll go to the Russia, the uh, Ritter Channel. Ukraine pro- uh, proposes a new corridor. Listen to this. This is Russia speaking. Okay, this is a report that came from them, and they said that the Ukraine, they are proposing a new corridor to continue grain exports. They're trying to help people, but nobody will listen to them because they have been made the evil empire. You need to have some evil boogeyman to blame, just like we did with 9-11 and, and fake weapons of mass destruction and the destruction of the entire country of Iraq and all the other things that the country has done to qualify it as Babylon the Great, which is exactly what it is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next up. Twitter says it's okay to threaten to kill Clarence Thomas. I was off. I said YouTube, but Twitter. But they censor all the COVID study information so more people can die and be injected with poison. All right, praise God with bioweapons, really. And next one, hallelujah. NATO plans huge upgrade in rapid reaction force. What this is, this is really bothering. Again, we're just throwing. We have hundreds of thousands of troops over there. We're sending advanced weaponry over there. We're basically what the United States of Babylon is doing is they're sending everything that we possibly can over to the Europe and NATO to provoke Russia to do something that would trigger uh, Article 5 of NATO and then allow them to start a war. And Russia's like ignoring it. It's, to, to Russia, we and NATO basically just like a fly that is bothering them. They're not really paying it much attention, and they're screaming to the world, we'll help you, we'll give you grain, we'll give you fertilizer, we'll give you what you need, and no one will listen to them. Why? Because Obama is behind the scenes controlling the situation and 
trying to destroy the United States, just like the Awalu prophecy of 1918, known as the Son of Kenya prophecy, states. Amen. All right. Iran and Argentina applied to join China and Russia in the BRICS consortium or club. Praise God. We we saw that one coming. And a bunch of more countries are going to join them, too. You can believe that. Hallelujah. All right. Next one up. All right, praise God. And Euronews reports Finland and Sweden is now set to, to be invited to join NATO after Erdogan drops his opposition. Why do you think he did that? How much pressure do you think they put him under? How many threats do you think that they gave Erdogan before he said, oh, uh, you know, that's okay. Finland and Sweden can join NATO. Now, according to Scott Ritter, Russia won't do anything about that if they do join NATO. They don't want it to happen and don't like it, and they're angry about it, and they're vociferous about it. However, it won't trigger a war. Now, what Ritter believes will trigger the war, trigger a war situation, is if Finland and Sweden bring NATO equipment and troops into their soil. So stay tuned. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I say that to you as I look at my, my 1972 Jack Van Impey album, The War with Russia. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Sar- uh, Senate Sergeant at Arms, the Senate Sergeant at Arms, who oversaw the January 6th event, dead. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think. They say that the circumstances surrounding his death have not yet been confirmed, yada, yada, blah, blah, yada, yada. Look, it's called murder, okay? Let's make it simple. Let's just cut to the chase. We don't have a lot of time left. Let's just call it what it is. It's no different than what they did with Epstein, except they put in a body double, and he's off probably hanging out at his island doing God. Only our Lord God knows what. All right, next one up. Governor Jay Inslee says Washington State Patrol will not cooperate with other states in abortion investigations. Okay, so again, there's all sorts of things that are going on right now, and it's a war. It's a war. And we're talking about unbelievable fury. Okay, it's fury that is in the hearts of those who are angry about these things. Fury. They're willing to kill over it. That's how angry they are. Hallelujah. Biblical swarms of giant Mormon crickets destroying crops in the United States West. And, of course, that goes along side by side with a, a Lake Mead once again hitting historic lows, and they're showing the cracked earth and the water leaking, and they don't have – oh, my gosh, the water situation in California. is going to be unbelievable. Never mind that they need that water for one of the largest areas that vegetables grow in this country, which happens to be in southern – off the coast. It's in the southern part of California, off on the east side of it. All right, um, listen to this. Another headline says, world is – unhappier and more stressed out than ever. I'm like, thank you, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. Hallelujah. Germany, record numbers of people are leaving churches. Well, if you've ever gone to a church over in Europe, (laughs) I'm not at all surprised about this, but I suppose, you know, I suppose it goes along with the end time, so we'll just leave it in there. Uh, But anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Hallelujah. The Epic Times reports that uh, South Carolina lawmakers leaked audio strategies uh, and said that we should use sleepers and dope money to finance the Senate campaign. Yep. The information leaked out. They actually heard what this lady said, Crystal Matthews, and she was she got caught saying that we should use dope money to finance a Senate campaign because they, they want to take control back over. And again, with all of this stuff going on with Roe uh, and, uh, and prayer uh, rulings come from the Supreme Court, what we don't realize is that 50 percent 
I don't know if it's 50%, but there's a very, 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 very large percentage of people who believe they're evangelical Christians that think that it's okay to be LGBT, LMNOP. They think that it's okay to be pro-abortion, and they think that it's okay to not pray, okay, and for uh, separation of church and state. They think it's okay, and they think that if you – and these people are people that go to church, and they are in churchianity. Okay, and they're angry. And so now Christians are fighting amongst one another, which, by the way, aligns with John 16, to, uh, 2. They will kick you out of the synagogues. Yes, there will come a time when they kill you and think that they have done God a service. But they do this because they do not know the Father nor me. Those days are upon us right now. Okay, these companies will cover travel expenses for employee abortions. It includes companies like Starbucks and, and, and Tesla and Yelp and Airbnb and Microsoft and Netflix and Patagonia and DoorDash and J.P. Morgan Chase and Levi Strauss and PayPal and Amazon and Reddit. Next one up. Research at the University of Texas and Texas A&M develop electronic tattoos for monitoring blood pressure. Now we're talking, folks. Are you with me? Praise God. Now, we just lost the connection to Sister Rosemary that I, I don't know if she didn't hear me or whatever. So since she dropped, I'm going to go ahead uh, and roll. I'm going to call her uh, because I can always uh, deal with the rest of the news. She just maybe she doesn't understand or whatever. And, if, and, and, and you know what? If she finds any of the news that we're reporting uh, troubling, then that's okay. Oh, that would be a, an act of, of the Lord. But anyway, um, let me go ahead and see if I can call her. If she answers, fine. If she doesn't, fine. Uh, we're just going to trust the Lord and uh, follow him and not be concerned about such things. So anyway, let me go ahead and try to dial her in and see if it was just a miscommunication. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 618. Uh, and I will not say any more. Uh, do, do, do. I'm hitting the numbers. And the last one. Do, do, do. All right. And let me go see if I can dial, her, dial this person up. Sister Rosemary. There, there, it's ringing. Hello. I'll see you. Hello, Sister Rosemary. Are you there? This is Johnny from Tribulation Now. I am here. Okay, great. Well, I guess um, uh, I guess you didn't hear that we were running a little bit over time, and you can go all the way for another full 30 minutes past the uh, 9 o'clock mark. So you actually have almost an entire 90 minutes if you want to take it, and you can go even longer than that if you want. But um, we ran over time on the news because the apocalyptic news information is uh, devastating on a global level. And uh, it's a, it, you know, news and commentary is a normal part of our program. Sometimes we run a little over, and I didn't get an opportunity to, to email you and let you know about that, so I apologize. Okay, well, where do we go from here? You have the mic. Um, your testimony is up. Praise <laughs> okay. God. So anyway, um, please feel free as you feel led to share your experience uh, in regard to what happened to you and uh, and meeting the Holy Spirit. If, if Again, if you feel led, praise God. And I'm just going to go ahead and take a back seat and let you take the microphone as if you are in a church and sharing with the congregation. Okay, I can do that. Praise um, God. All right. It's all yours. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I uh, first off, while you're where, while you're there, how did you hear about me? Can you refresh my memory? What we do 
um, Sister Nancy uh, helps this ministry. We've been uh, doing this work for the Lord for over 11 years, and we deal with extremely advanced uh, challenges and things that the churches will not deal with. Um, that's our calling. Now, when happens is we, I, Sister Nancy, who's the wife of a pastor, helps us find guests, and she goes and tries to find testimonies. Also, the listeners, the, the members of the listening audience sometimes from different parts of the world and such will hear testimonies, and they'll send them in. And then what we do, Sister Nancy then goes out, and she you know, sees if it would be something that would be really neat to bring on the radio show and a blessing to people. And then, um, and then she says, you know, it, it can happen a couple of different ways. But anyway, in this particular case, she thought that your testimony was amazing. And she said to me, we should bring her on. And I said, go for it. And so that's, that's how it works here at Tribulation Now. Okay. Well, I appreciate the backstory. I've, uh, I've given this talk a few times, as you can probably imagine. Um, well, I guess, uh, you know, the thing everyone wants to know is what, what is it like to die? That seems to be the number one most often uh, frequently asked question. And in addressing that, I would say it's a blast. And one of the things that people seem almost incredulous about is while I was floating away from my body, my predominant thought was, this is great. This is fantastic. And I felt such genuine, true, deep gratitude that my life had ended, that my earthly life had ended, and I was floating further and further away from my body, and it was fabulous, and people seemed surprised, and, you know, one of my favorite pieces of this is I've heard, I've I've shared the story with, uh, like I said, a, a wide range of audiences, and more than a few atheists and agnostics, and after hearing it, I've had uh, a handful say, you know, I always decided God was just something we told told ourselves was, you know, this this father in the sky, but they said I, I never really believed in it. But they said after hearing your story I'm I'm kind of I, I might not I might not stay on that position. So that's been a lovely thing to hear. But in my experience what actually killed me was I had a, a cervical biopsy done. I'd been diagnosed with stage two cancer and a surgical biopsy was done to determine how far this had spread and where all it had gone. And the surgeon made a boo-boo and cut something he shouldn't have cut. And uh, when I awakened from this, I was bleeding a lot. Got sent home, despite the fact I told him at the hospital, I'm bleeding an awful lot. And once at home, I realized I was bleeding to death, literally. And so uh, at home, I summoned an ambulance. I had a couple friends with me. I summoned an ambulance, and off I went to uh, a little ER not back to the same hospital. And at that little ER, they made a series of mistakes, which frankly sent me on to my reward. So <laughs> it actually took two hospitals and a handful of medical personnel to, to kill me off, but they did. And one of the things that happened when I was lying on the gurney in that little ER, and I was pretty frightened because on one hand, I thought this is an answer to my prayers. Uh, two and a half years prior, my husband had killed himself. He had come home from work. He sat down in a chair and put a gun in his mouth. So I was to say I was devastated is an understatement. I lost my mind. I had a, um, I guess I, you call it a psychotic break or a nervous breakdown, but I lost my mind. And for 29 months, I just kind of wandered around. I had people taking care of me because I couldn't care for myself. And then at 29 months out is when I was diagnosed with this cancer, and then I had this surgery, which ended my life. But when I was um, 
when I was back at that little ER and they're trying to figure out what's going on, it's pretty frightening when you realize that you're probably dying. And uh, this ER, uh, the ER nurse about my age, she was, as I'm lying on this gurney, she was at my left. And I grabbed her hand and I said, promise me, promise me you're not going to let me die. And she said, oh, honey, we have many solutions for this. I'm not going to, we're not going to let you die. So I was very comforted by that. Well, like I said, they made some more mistakes too. And uh, they did what I guess they thought was adequate. I'm not really sure what the plan was there, but they stepped, the doctor and the nurse stepped out of this little ER room and left me alone with a friend who was seated by my side And he said my blood pressure just kept going down, down, down. And I was unconscious at this point. I actually lost consciousness. And he said at one point he looked at the blood pressure machine that they'd left hooked up, and my blood pressure was 32 over 25, which is pretty much dead. That's pretty much gone. And he said he stood up to go get a nurse, and at that point he said my eyes popped open. And he said I I tried to sit up on the gurney, which is pretty impressive for somebody with a blood pressure that low. And he said, I I couldn't quite sit up, so I I kind of put my shoulders up and my head up, and I reached up to heaven, and he said, you talk to somebody that only you could see. I I don't remember this part. But he said, after that, your, your body flopped back on that gurney, and he said, your eyes closed, and he said, and then the blood pressure machine, the next reading was error, and he was going down the hallway to get a nurse, and the nurse was coming up to greet him. And uh, I think the nurse, according to him, the nurse was pretty incredulous. That I, The first thing she did was she checked the plug for the blood pressure machine, make sure it was still plugged into the hospital electricity. And then she fiddled with a cuff on my arm. But meanwhile, I was having a wonderful time. I mean wonderful. I had been in something akin to a deep, dreamless state when I I woke up, and I woke up being catapulted out of my body. And I mean catapulted. It was very dramatic. And it was as though there was a great big sinewy cord from the crown of my head to the heel of my feet, and it was as though somebody had pulled back on an archer's bow and let loose, and the second that cord slapped my back, I went flying out of my body. And it was just all so cool. And my very first thought, I'm, I'm floating away in blackness. I, you know, Several people have asked me, did you see your body? I did not. I was floating away in this velvety, soft, peaceful, peace-creating, comfortable and comforting blackness. And my very first thought in this new experience was, my heart has stopped. And I thought to myself, how do I know that? And then I realized, I don't know how I know it, but I know that's right. And by the way, that was later borne out to be true. That's exactly what happened. But then as I'm floating further and further away, my next thought was, I'm dying. And then I thought, because I've been a writer and an editor for 30 plus years, I thought, actually, you're not dying. You're dead. And it cracked me up because oh, that's pretty funny because here I am going on to my reward and I'm correcting my grammar I thought that was pretty darn funny, but it was also immensely reassuring because I realized everything I really am from my macabre sense of humor to my my goofy insights on life, my voice, all everything I am was the same. And in fact, after I said that, you're not dying or yeah, after I said you're not dying, you're dead, I giggled. And I heard myself giggle. And I'm not talking about telepathically. I heard myself giggle as much as I hear my voice right now. And 
even that, I thought even my giggle sounds the same. And I thought, I don't have breath sounds. I'm pretty sure I don't have lungs. Pretty sure I don't have vocal cords. And yet I'm producing sound just as I always have. And I sound just the same. And I just thought this was all so wonderful. I mean, you know, we all tend to wonder about what it's like after we die. And I can tell you what it's like is everything we really are, even down to our goofy giggle, goes with us. And I thought, what did I leave behind on that gurney? And I realized I left behind the PTSD, the guilt, the sadness, the regret, the woe, the worries, the anxiety, the panic. All of that had been left behind. And I remember thinking, I've always wondered what I would look like without any of those things attached to me. And I thought, this is great. I I actually really like myself like this without any fears or worries or panic or woes or all the rest of that sad stuff. So this was a remarkable experience, and I felt so free. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I had 59 years on that earth, and this whole thing of dying is really like just waking up from a very detailed dream. And it seemed like those 59 years were over in the blink of an eye. It just seemed so incredibly inconsequential. And, you know, I don't mean to diminish anyone's grief. After all, I had suffered so much after my husband's suicide. But in this heavenly experience, it was like it wasn't, um, it wasn't part of me. It was just it was just so liberating and to be set free from all that guilt and all that all the stuff that goes with the loss of a loved one to suicide. And, you know, one of the thoughts I had, I had already had, I guess, I don't know, two or three visits with the oncologist at this point. I'm not sure. And I was supposed to start chemo. I was going to have once a week chemo and then I was going to have daily five days a week uh, radiation treatments for six weeks. And I was told that there was a 70 percent chance that that would that would take care of this problem. And I remember thinking as I'm floating away from my body, I thought, I don't have to do that now. And I was just so relieved. And I just, you know, I had spent a lifetime, I was 59 at the time, I'd spent a lifetime reading NDEs from Betty Eady to Daniel Brinkley to George Ritchie. Uh, you know, started with Raymond Moody's book, Life After Life. I just couldn't get enough of them. And I read them all. And so I knew exactly what was happening. And I wondered, I kind of wondered, you know, I wondered, um, when when do I get the good stuff? You know, when do, when do I get to see my loved ones? When do I get to see what heaven's really like? You know, I, I just couldn't wait. I was like a kid, a kid on Christmas morning. It was all so exciting. And one of the things that happened very early on, because it's hard to construct a linear timeline or chronology, because I don't know, really, I couldn't say that this, these things happen in a linear fashion. One of the analogies I've shared is that it's like I'd lived my whole life on 60 amps and now I was living on 100,000 amps. Everything got turned up and it was like I could think several thoughts at once. But one of the things that happened early on is I very, still floating away from my body, I very clearly sensed the presence of a massive spiritual being to my left and slightly behind me. And I turned my head, still floating in this blackness, I turned my head to the left and I looked up somehow thinking I'd see him or her, but I didn't see anything. I'm still in this blackness, but I was pretty intrigued by the fact that whatever I am in this new experience has a head and a neck and a left shoulder to look over. I thought that's pretty cool. There's, there's still a a human something of a body that I'm manifesting attached to something. I don't know. 
but I asked this massive, massive presence. I said, and I was awfully happy to be with somebody. I said, and who are you? And the answer was, before I could even get the words out, it was very profound. The answer was you, Rosemary, you are the image and likeness. I'm the original. And I thought, wow, that's First Genesis 26 and 27. And I thought, how cool is that? I've, I've had studied that Bible verse throughout my whole life. And I thought, it's pretty cool. I'd never thought of it in terms of the original. And I get a lot of emails. Uh, my website's temporarydeath.com. I get a lot of emails, but the number one question I get probably is, who was that? Was it the Holy Ghost? Was it Jesus? Was it God? And I don't know. I don't have an easy answer. It's still something I think about. But it it was clearly um, an expression of First Genesis 26 and 27. And I also remember thinking, how cool that that's always been one of my favorite Bible verses, and yet one that kind of eluded me. I wasn't really sure how that worked out. But these words, you know, you're the image and likeness and I'm the original, came with meaning. But I had thought of myself so often as a child of God, but I'd never thought of myself as the image and likeness of the original. It was just, it was quite something. This experience went on and on and on. And in fact, I was dead more than 10 minutes as the world measures such things. But if you told me that I had been gone for eight hours, I would have believed it easily, 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 easily. And in this experience, one of the really, really cool, there's so many lovely things that happened. But one of them was uh, there was an angel or spiritual being that accompanied me and I couldn't see him or her, but I could certainly sense their presence. And I said to this angelic being that was with me, I said, I've been here before. Like, this is very familiar. I've, I've had this experience before, but I don't understand how. I've never been dead before. And the angel was very succinct. And what she said was, remember, your mother told you when you were an infant, I was actually, uh, well, just a tiny infant, you'd been given up for dead. They had no expectation that you would survive the night after I had a disease trash my body and she said the fact is you didn't almost die that night you crossed over and you were sent back and I was like oh my gosh that explains so much my whole life I'd been fascinated by these books on NDEs and I'd also I'd always just been so different from everybody you know when somebody died in the family I would sense their presence and I would say oh you know, Aunt Mary died last night. And they'd say, well, what in the world? And I'd say, well, she came to say goodbye. So this explains so much for me. And it was just, it was so profound in so many ways. And it just, it went on and on. And there were so many elements to it and so many layers to it. One of the things I do remember thinking was my life has felt like a hard life. It has just not been an easy time. My first marriage, 24 years, ended in divorce. It was it was messy. My second marriage had ended when my husband killed himself. And people in society treat you so different when you lose someone to suicide. I mean, the wife always gets blamed, and not just on a societal level, but now that I get emails from people who have experiences to share, I've heard from many women, suicide widows like myself, that often they get detained and questioned by the police. Because when your husband dies by suicide, the wife becomes the number one suspect in a homicide investigation, and that's brutal. 
And I've had other widows say, oh, I know what it's like to lose a spouse. And I always kind of want to give them a little bit of a shake and say, you know, your husband died from a disease. My husband died at a crime scene that he created. You know, he he committed a homicide on himself. So, yeah, we get questioned by the police, which is brutal. And then we get blamed by society, which is brutal. And then we it, it's just so very messy. So in this experience of floating away from my body, I my predominant emotion was gratitude and relief. And I remember one of the thoughts I had was I felt like I'd been given early release for good behavior. And people laugh at that, but I really meant it. And, you know, one of the things that happened after my husband's suicide, I had had what I consider to be a significant amount of faith. I had prayed for him easily every day of his life and sometimes in the morning and in the night. After his death, I prayed three simple prayers. Every night I'd say, God, heal me or let me go. I can't live like this. I I was in hell. You know, the Bible says, if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. I was in hell. I had set up housekeeping in hell. I I didn't see any way out of it. And then my second prayer was... um, I, there were messes, legal messes to tidy up after my husband's death. And I became so fatigued by the many difficult decisions I had to face pretty much on my own. I mean, I'd get input from others, but ultimately the decisions were my own. That I had a terrible case of decision fatigue. And I literally told God, asked God, I can't make any more decisions. I'm spent. I'm cooked and done. I can't face this. To give you an idea of the severity of it, I couldn't even face what to wear in the morning, so I bought myself 12 white polo shirts and four pairs of blue jeans. So every morning I woke up, I could put on a white polo shirt and a pair of blue jeans, and I was done. I didn't have to make a decision about what to wear. And then my third decision, and this, this is for real, I pleaded with God when I die, spare me the life of you. I had had recurring nightmares of what happened with my husband. In some of the nightmares, I got to him just as he pulled the trigger. In some of the nightmares, I I was able to talk to him for a minute, but he always pulled the trigger. In some of the nightmares, I got there right after he pulled the trigger. I didn't want to see myself in that state again. I didn't want to review those experiences. I didn't want to see how I would just sit and cry for hours at a time. I didn't want to see any of that. So I asked God to spare me a life review. So in this experience of floating away from my body, I was just <laughs> probably about the happiest I'd been in an awfully long time because I knew exactly what was happening. I knew exactly how this was unfolding. I knew it was over. I knew I had graduated from this very difficult uh, life lesson of the hardest knocks one can take. And I was just so happy. I mean, really seriously happy. And at some point, and I don't remember the transition some point I went from floating to standing on my feet and now I wasn't in this blackness but I was in a white room and I was standing on something approximating feet and I'm so disappointed in myself that I did not look down at my feet to see what they look like but I remember thinking I'm standing now and I don't know if I'm on feet or legs but I saw a door about 15 to 20 feet ahead of me And I knew what that door was. I knew that door was the line of demarcation. I knew it was the point at which there was no coming back. And I couldn't wait to get to that door. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I have legs or feet. I don't know how this works. But I know that I can move with intention. If I have an intention to get to that door as fast as possible, I'll get there. And so I started, the word I used was perambulating toward the door. And in this room, the room was just the most perfect white everywhere. It was 
you know, in paint, the truest white actually has a little bit of blue in it. And this white was more white than anything you can see on earth. But there was this mist falling, and it was everywhere. It was all over the room. But this mist was not just falling, but it was like dancing around me and swirling and moving up and down and sideways. And I thought that's pretty cool. And as I'm trying to get to that door, because I want this, you know, I can't wait to see what's on the other side of that door. I mean, I really couldn't wait. As I did this, I asked the spiritual being who was with me, I said, I feel like I should be able to focus on a, a one single droplet of this mist. And I know that sounds crazy to us, but it felt like something I ought to be able to do. And the angel told me again immediately, she said, what you're looking at are not droplets of water. These are particles of light. And when you go to heaven, you, it was likened to a spiritual car wash. That We have to have the muck of the earth washed away. And sometimes people have had a disease for so long, they think it's part of their identity. Or sometimes people have had a mental illness for so long, they don't know who they really are anymore. And it was explained to me that in this white room, this light washes away the muck. And that's the word that was used, which, you know, is like filth, the muck of the earth. And that we're restored to our innate spiritual perfection. And that's a preparation for entering heaven. We, as my friend said, I thought this was great. In other words, leave your muddy boots at the door. <laughs> I just love that. And I walked across this expanse, again, perhaps 20 feet in the time one would normal, normally cover that space, but pretty interested by this light that's swirling all around me. And just frankly, truly enchanted by the whole experience. I just was so unbelievably happy. My life, I felt like, you know, during the 29 months after my husband's suicide and before my own near-death experience, I felt like I had suffered the torments of the damned, and I lost all my friends. I lived out of my car briefly. I mean, these were very hard times. And I had never, I, I had struggled mightily with suicidal temptations, and I mean mightily. And they were not, they were getting worse. They weren't getting better. As time went on, I was just using sheer willpower to stay alive. And one of my predominant thoughts in this experience was, I didn't do this to myself. This was a medical procedure gone bad. My kids won't have the horror of having having their mother kill, them, kill herself. So that was, oh, I can't tell you what a happy thought that was, but it really was. So I got to the door where I, you know, headed to that door and there was, my spiritual being was still with me. And I put my right hand up to push through the door. And I was a little puzzled because I thought that door should be open, not shut. And the angel, I, I was putting my right hand up to reach through the door, to, to pull open the door, push the door open. And I asked the angel, I said, is this the divine will for my life that a medical mistake would take me out? And the angel said, no, it's not. She said, but. Whatever you decide, you go with all of God's love and mercy and grace and care and blessings. There is not a wrong decision. And the thing is, those words came with more than just the words. It was also an infusion of knowing. It was very powerful. And the other thing that was conveyed to me somewhere in that white room, it was made clear to me, very clear, that if I agreed to go back, that I would be restored to wholeness. 
And it wasn't that, you know, this will be healed or that will be healed. It's just you'll be restored to wholeness. I thought, all right, good to know. You know, out of my way, I'm doing the door. And the fact is, when I approached that door, it was my intention to say, is this the divine will for my life? I never got past, is this divine? And the answer was immediate. So I'm putting my right hand up to push through the door. Pretty, pretty, still pretty interested by the fact that right-handed on earth, right-handed in heaven. I mean, everything we are goes with us. And I had a vision of that RN who had been by my gurney in the ER. And this was not a, a, concur- a concurrent event. This, I think this was a potential future. But I had a vision of that nurse. And in this vision, the RN that had told me, promised me, she wasn't going to let me die. In this vision, she was seated on a little metal stool in a hospital supply room, surrounded by supplies and linens and such. And she was leaning forward with her head in her hands, and she was sobbing uncontrollably. And through tears, and I'm watching this, and this is more than just a vision. This is like I was a silent observer in this hospital room watching this thing happen. But through tears, she said, I promised that woman I wasn't going to let her die, and I lost her. And I was like, oh, come on, don't do this to me. And I did. I remember so clearly I reasoned, well, you know what? She's an RN. She appears to be my age. She signed up for this. She'll get over it. And then I wasn't just a silent observer in the room. I actually felt her grief. And it was a very deep, painful, searing grief. And I thought to myself, standing at that door, I thought, I can't do this to her. If it's going to leave her with this much pain, I can't do this to her. And so I put my right hand back at my side. And my last words in heaven were, um, it's going to ruin this nurse's day if I die. (laughs) And in a split second, literally, in a millisecond or less, I was back on that gurney. This time, there's lots of things happening. There There were six people in the room. There were IVs. I remember a nurse there was an IV hanging on a pole and a nurse was squeezing it very hard with both hands. So there was lots and lots of excitement. And from there I was transported um, to a, I was put in an ambulance and transported really fast to a trauma center in the area. And, you know, uh, there's so many interesting elements to this, but I was dead for more than 10 minutes. My cause of death. And the next morning this was explained to me, my heart had actually stopped and it stopped because I ran out of blood. I did bleed to death. But my what's was so compelling about this is I, I, interv- I wrote a book. In interviewing some medical personnel for writing my book, because I want to make sure I got my facts right, uh, you cannot do CPR on somebody who's bleeding to death. You have to, as a physician, an ER physician told me, you have to plug the leak, refill the tank, and then get the heart going again, you know, shock it back. So the point of this is, for more than 10 minutes, there was no blood flow to my brain. And the medical belief is, after five or six minutes without oxygen to the brain, there's irreversible brain damage. And I didn't suffer that. And in fact, there was several expectations about what would happen to me after I returned to life. Uh, one of the concerns was I was told I had sustained some heart damage because my I had had a heart attack. And the reason I had a heart attack is you know, not anything to do with my heart, really. It ran out of blood. And apparently when uh, your heart dies, it throws off enzymes. And so I had elevated enzymes, which is what told the medical folks that I had had a heart attack. 
And yet the next morning they were already getting better. So anyway, they, one of the things they did, they wheeled me off for test on my heart. And as they're wheeling my gurney, because I was on 100% bed rest for a while, as they're wheeling my gurney down the corridor of the hospital, I remember saying to the, the people wheeling me, I said, there's no need for this. Uh, the angels told me if I agreed to come back, I'd be fine, fine, fine. <laughs> but they did the test anyway. And at every point, and I mean at every point, you know, there's, an ex- there's a concern about blood clots. There was concern about my heart, concern about my kidneys. At every point, the doctor would sit down by my bedside and he'd say, Mrs. Thornton, you're a very lucky woman. Your heart is perfectly healthy. Everything is fine. Everything seems to be resolving. And, you know, a P.S. to this, I just think this is pretty fascinating. Sixteen hours after this happened, uh, a friend told me that about mid-calf down to my toes, my feet were deep, deep, deep navy blue, almost black. And it took some time for that to resolve. And it was just that there, I was so low on fluid there just wasn't enough to get down to my my long legs and my feet, and that resolved too. And I have no lingering health effects. Um, one of the pieces of the story that means the most to me, I was in the hospital for four days, and three of the days were on total bed rest. And every now and then, the people visiting me or the people taking care of me would have to step out, you know, get lunch or go tend to business or whatever. And when those folks, when the human beings stepped out of the room, uh, the angels would appear at my bedside. And I mean, uh, I don't know, 12 to 15 angels. They were at the left and right of the bed and at the foot of the bed, and they would sing to me. And they sang me these heavenly songs glorifying God. And they were very sparkly. Again, they had a human-esque form. And they had something approximating, I guess, a gown made of sparkles and light. And as they sang to me, they sparkled more and and they were tall. They were very tall, you know, maybe six and a half, seven feet tall. And I told them, my background's in architectural history. I told the angels, I said, I'm really good with houses, really good. But melody and lyrics, I don't think I'm going to be able to remember this. And I really want to remember it. I don't want to forget a word. I, I don't want to forget a note. I don't want to forget any of it. And it was very gently explained to me that the music was and the, the songs were not for me to remember. It was for my healing. It was it was for my joy, and it was a thank you for agreeing to come back. And they knew how hard it is to experience heaven and then return to earth. And I will remember that I suspect through eternity because it was very very profound. And it took some time, and I had to find another oncologist. It turns out when you go back to your original oncologist and tell him that you were healed of stage 2 cancer in heaven, that they take a rather dim view of that. In fact, he added to my um, chart, which they do these patient portals now so you can go online and see stuff. He added to my chart that I was mentally ill. So, uh, and you know, he there was blood work done at two weeks out. This is pretty interesting too. There was blood work done at two weeks out in anticipation of me starting the chemotherapy, uh, which he was very much encouraging me to do. And when they did that blood work, I actually ended up with another oncologist, but she looked at the results and she said, I see there's been a mistake on your blood work. And I said, what is it? And she said, your numbers, they're all textbook perfect. And I was told it would take two to three months. I mean, in the hospital, I, the patient, Rosemary, was told it would take two to three months for my uh, numbers to for my blood to recover, the white and red blood cell count. So this doctor's looking at this blood work taken about day 15, and she said, this can't be right. She says, it's literally textbook perfect. I said, no, it's right. 
I said, that thing of fainting every time I stood up is gone. I'm back on my bike. I'm walking every day. You know, I, I ride my bike pretty gentle, but I'm back on my bike. And she said, that's absolutely impossible. But it wasn't. And then two months later, they had to wait two months because they were concerned about uh, lots of stuff. But at two months out, uh, a second surgical biopsy was done and uh, at my request. And the doctor, the oncologist, um, she ran outside to the waiting room where my friend was again patiently waiting for me. And she, the oncologist threw her arms around my friend's neck and said, she's right. Not only is there not one cell of cancer to be found, but her flesh is so pink and pretty and perfect. It would be hard to believe that she ever had cancer had I not seen the test for myself. So it was a pretty dramatic healing, to say the least, but the real healing. And, you know, after I got back home, I laid down on the floor and I flopped open my Bible and it opened to Psalm 23. And there was one line in it that really looked like it was highlighted, like a light was shining on it, actually. It's pretty impressive. But the line was, he restoreth my soul. And I cried because I realized that's the real healing. That's what really happened. My soul was restored. And while I'm unspeakably grateful for the physical healing, the healing of my soul, to be able to crawl out of that pit of hell occasioned by my husband's suicide, that was a big deal. And I realized that my time in heaven, floating away from my body, was the most joy I'd ever known on this earth. Absolutely, easily the most joy. And it became so clear to me that all the accoutrements, all the stuff of earth, possessions, furniture, household goods, all of it was worth nothing because real joy came from the things of God. It doesn't come from stuff. So I began selling off every single thing. I I got pretty dramatic. I scared my friends a little bit, but I had fun. I sold off all my furnishings. I sold off uh, household stuff. Gosh, I sold everything. And then I even sold off my patio furniture I had a lot of research materials. I'd written nine books on architectural history. I donated my research materials to a local college library, and then I sold my car, and then I sold my house, and it sold within two hours of listing it. And I uh, I had a used Prius that I had obtained, and so I used that for getting around, and I moved a 1,000 miles. I left all that stuff behind, and I moved a 1,000 miles to the Midwest. I was living on the East Coast at the time and started a new life. And uh, and that was almost four years ago now that this all happened. So it's pretty pretty dramatic on a lot of levels. Wow! <laughs> Praise God! Um, that's amazing. Um, that's really 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 amazing. Praise Jesus! Um, I, uh, I as as you were giving your testimony, and you're very articulate, and 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 that that even enhances it. Um, Everything that you said aligns to – well, I think you would already know this, of course, because if you were reading books, which, of course, you were, uh, about NDEs and everything, then you would know that what happened to you aligns incredibly well and beautifully with a lot of the other testimonies of people who had gone through similar things, um, not necessarily the events that occurred to you, you know, in the order and et cetera, you know, every, every, every one of them seemed to have some deltas associated with the individual experiences, but, but it aligns beautifully the joy that you felt, the, the, um, 
even even the angels and the light and the light in the room that was in the form of a mist, you know, um, a lot of, uh, you know, folks that we had, have had on the show in the past that have had similar types of experiences, all of them have different dynamics associated with them, but the similarities are astonishing and amazing and uh, the, the the feeling of joy, the, the the desire to stay, and then the reward associated with being willing to come back. So I I remember uh, one, and I'm sure you probably read such stories in you know historically in in your life, uh, where people had been in heaven. And they were, one one lady that we had had on the program, she felt guilty because she knew that, that she had children back at, at you know on earth and she felt guilty for not even wanting to go back. She was like, I love, I, I was so overwhelmed with the love and the joy and the release of all of the oppression that's associated with being on earth that I, I was, the idea of going back to the earth was just outside of her comprehension. Uh, and, uh, and it wasn't until in, in her particular, uh, you know, uh, experience, the Lord actually had to ask her to go back because she didn't want to. Um, but you know, the real glory of it all is what you're doing right now, which is sharing with people this incredible experience, which becomes the hope of what we all have, you know, to, to, to so much look forward to, uh, you know, and, and, and it's just too, too exciting for words because, of course, as you know, um, the world around us is, you know, kind of in a bad place right now. And, and it's just, you know, blessing people, encouraging people, touching people's lives, changing their lives, helping them to be able to see how awesome our Heavenly Father is, how awesome heaven is, how awesome the love and the joy is, how awesome it is, to, and, and you're selling of all of your things, and oh my gosh, that is powerful. This, your testimony is amazing, remarkable, and we are intensely blessed uh, to have you ha- sh- share share what you have shared with us and the, and the level of detail that you shared it. I can only, I can't even imagine going through what you have gone through, but yet still recovering and coming back with an incredible, miraculous divine healing and all the things that happened. It's just, it, it aligns with the glory of God and the mercy that, Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I mean, I could just listen to you share for hours. Quite frankly, I was sitting here mesmerized. I had big saucer eyes listening to every word that you were sharing. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to share? Or uh, or, or do you feel that, that you know, or, or are you uh, kind of like come to the place of uh, where you feel comfortable that you've shared, you know, the most important things? Well, those those are the most important things. I guess a, a, a really fun P.S. to this is when I came back from this, um, I I really got rebooted. A friend of mine in IT says you got rebooted from you got rebooted by the Creator. I uh, at the time of my death, I had had some arthritis in my wrist. I mean, I've been a writer for thirty years, spent a lot of time sitting at typewriters and keyboards and such. And I had a busted, uh, excuse, a busted right knee from an old accident, a busted left shoulder from an old accident. Oh, and some high-frequency hearing loss. When I came back from this, I noticed I could hear voices down the hall. I could hear better than I had heard in memory. And then I realized the arthritis in my wrist was gone, my busted knee didn't hurt anymore, and my busted shoulder didn't hurt anymore. 
And I realized that I got, I was released from all of that. I mean, this healing was, <laughs> I don't want to say more than just cancer, but it was, I, I went someplace very special and I was definitely in the presence of, of God or the Holy Ghost or someone, I don't know, but something very, very dramatic happened. And that whole thing of not having any blood flow to my brain or any oxygen to my brain for 10 minutes, the odds of coming back from that unscathed are infinitesimally small. And part of my interviewing medical personnel, I interviewed a couple doctors and a couple nurses, something I learned that was fascinating to me. I had an ER nurse tell me that they had a patient, male patient in their mid-20s. He had an accident. He had some internal bleeding. And I mean, but that was it. So he was bleeding internally and he died. And they managed to resuscitate him. But he died again less than 24 hours later because the damage to his internal organs was so severe. When you bleed to death, especially at age 59, that puts a hurting on everything inside of you. And the fact that I came back from this with not only no consequences, but a significant upgrade is something absolutely, completely in the things only God can do column. I mean, humanly, there is no way to explain any of this. And that's why I think it makes non-believers very nervous. I mean, you can have a story that I died, I saw heaven, the angel sang to me and I came back. But I think the reason mine has touched some folks is because I have I have some physical evidence that, you know, this thing was happening and now it's gone. And I do have, nobody's ever asked me for it, but I have 387 pages of medical records that I got. And, you know, one of the little PSs, I got a, I got a letter from this hospital where they had done the procedure and sent me home bleeding like that. And they said, overall, what did you think about your experience? Well, I wrote back and I said, other than the fact you killed me, everything was just fine. And they actually did call and ask, what are you talking about? Yeah. (laughs) And I told them, I said, (laughs) yeah, they told me um, subsequently that they took my concerns very seriously. Well, later, gosh, probably about a year and a half later, a friend of mine, went into that hospital for a biopsy and he said, Rosemary, they did change the rules. He said, I, he had a lung biopsy and after, I mean, which is just a needle biopsy. He said, after the biopsy, they told me I had to go sit in a chair for three hours and be observed. And he said, what? We've never done this before. And they said, well, we've got some new procedures here at the hospital. So as a result of what happened to me, I mean, because I told the nurse after I was awakened from that surgical biopsy, I told the nurse three times, Something has gone very wrong. And three times she said, oh, once you get home and lie down, you'll be fine. That was a tragic mistake. That should not have happened. So they did, they did amend their policies and some things have changed. But, uh, and I've been, I've been living in the Midwest now for three and a half years and people laugh, uh, but this is true. I, one of the things I couldn't wait to do was come out here because I'm in a, I'm in a part of the Midwest where they grow a lot of corn. <laughs> uh, I like to just pull my car over on the side of the road and kind of watch the corn grow, because it's so beautiful. They have they have hilly um, hilly farmscapes here that where you can just see for miles. And like in the summer when you get the thunderstorms and they roll in across the plains, and you can just see these tremendous thunderheads from a great distance. And it's also majestic and so beautiful. 
So I, I had been living in a pretty congested area on the East Coast, and I just wanted to come out here and watch things grow, look at trees, watch the birds soar across the sunset on the night sky. I just, I craved and hungered for beauty like somebody who's starving to death. And and that's why I still love the Midwest, and I'm getting ready to travel back to the East Coast soon, and I'll go sit on the sand and watch the ocean for a while. But this really, this was more than a reboot. It kind of recalibrated everything. And when I came back from this, the first thing I did was I took a trip. I flew from the East Coast to Boise, Idaho, because I wanted to sit beside the Snake River. And I did. I just went and I sat beside the Snake River for a while and just watched it. And I just, I wanted to see all the beauty there is in the world. And so it was a major, major reset of everything I am. And, you know, uh, another facet of it, I had a neuroscientist that saw one of my one of my videos on YouTube and she traveled a significant distance, several hundred miles to meet me because she's always studied the you know human brain and how it works and such. And she said, Rosemary, the most remarkable part of your story beyond the healing and beyond the other aspects you shared is that you changed so completely so fast. She said, that's what makes your story believable to me. The human brain changes incrementally in bits at a time. She said, but you came back from this, and, and she said, this is common to people who, ha- who have had an NDE. They come back and they absolutely change every single thing. So that was a, a lovely thing to hear. And um, I don't know, I've, I've met so many interesting people as a result of this experience. And, you know, I love to mention my website because that's how people can contact me. Please do, but please do. It's yes. temporarydeath.com. I'm not actually a fan of the term near-death experience. To me, words matter. You know, if you're if you're on an airplane and it's plunging to the earth and at the last minute the pilot pulls it up and saves it and all the passengers clap, that's a near-death experience. I did not have a near-death experience. I died. My heart stopped. There's medical affirmation that my heart physically stopped. And I went over to heaven and was told some things and I came back. That's a temporary death. So I do prefer that um, that language. Me too. Now, I've always thought <laughs> near-death experience was like, okay, this is weird. Why are you – it's a misnomer because, you know, it because there's nothing near about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, there yeah, is. No, there really cool. is. Temporary so, yeah, changed. Did you say you were that's writing me, a book too? I have written a book. It's out in the world. Remembering the Light, How Dying Saved My Life. That's the title. Remembering the Light. And it's up at Amazon. How Dying Saved My Life. How Okay, so Remembering the Light, How Dying Saved My Life. And it's on Amazon, right? right? It's on Amazon. It's paperback and Kindle. Wow, that's awesome. Praise God. I love that. That's that's really brilliant. Um, uh, You know, um, because... You know, you're the first person that actually took, um, I don't know what you, what, how to put it exactly, but you're the first person of the various folks that we've been blessed to talk to over the years. Um, uh, you're the first one who actually did what did something like what I would do. I'm, I'm very, um, oh, I don't know what the right term is, but I'm very, uh, I, I jokingly tongue in cheek call it 
OCD. I'm very obsessive compulsive disorder about the choice of words, the use of a thesaurus, the accuracy of the of the phrase, and whether or not it actually aligns correctly with, you know, re, you know what really happened. And I've always been troubled by that concept of near death because there was never ever. It was never near. It was like a death experience, you know. It was a death and glory experience. And then, for and I just love that you have the medical evidence to be able to use it in the in in the form of a testimony uh, for people to just blow their minds. Because that's you know one thing about having your whole life change, being made whole again. I mean, you're a whole new person. You're a whole new. You're reset. I mean, you're completely reset. You, your whole life is is renewed again. Your mission in life is completely completely renewed and and um and 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 it's just it's just exactly how I would think I would be if I was blessed with some with a similar type of experience and um and uh I just it's just it's overwhelming and very exciting so so again it's temporarydeath.com and 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 uh again tell us the name of a book the book one more time the book is remembering the light how dying saved my life and I was not going to write a book. This was this I've written nine. This was actually number ten. And very early on, I gave this back before COVID. I gave this talk at a fairly large gathering in um, in Virginia, and uh, I had shared a story about an experience I had. And uh, a woman in the audience said, "I'm in a mental I'm in the mental health field. Please, please write a book about this. We don't know we don't know how to deal with deal with suicide survivors in the mental health field." And the story I shared was uh, a day or two after my husband's suicide. Um, I was I was in shock. I know that now. I didn't even know what was happening to me. But I was in shock. I couldn't eat or drink. I literally could not physically swallow any liquid, anything. So my daughter took me to a urgent care place in town, and the doctor, uh, I was sitting on the exam table in the room, and my daughter was standing up, and the doctor comes in with a manila folder that's pretty thin because I don't do doctors. And he comes in, and you know he's pretty, pretty upbeat and says, So, ladies, what's the problem? And my daughter says uh, her husband killed himself, and she can't take liquids or food of any kind. And the doctor, I mean, he was probably in his 50s, he literally reeled back in horror and he said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the same thing happened to my Aunt Bertha 45 years ago and she was never right in the head again. And I, rem- wow. I do remember this. I remember saying, you know what, skip the drugs, just give me some arsenic, let's get this show on the road. Because I was like, I, you know what, if that happened 45 years ago and I'm 59, there's actually I was 57 at the time, there's there's no hope, you know, <laughs> let's just get this done. But my daughter, I'm so impressed with her, she's 29 at the time, she uh, she looked at him and she said, uh, doctor, that is not very helpful. Are you going to help my mother or not? And to his credit, he very much came to attention and, you know, got back on the plan and he immediately wrote out a prescription for some benzodiazepines and they were helpful. They helped me got to get to a place where I could at least, uh, I lived on his, uh, what is it, the liquid nutrition things for a while. But uh, so this woman in this audience, when I, when I shared this story, said, that's, we, this needs to be a book. And I said, nope, 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 not doing a book, not doing a book. This experience was a great blessing from God, not doing a book. And she said, please, please reconsider it, because this is a story that needs a broader audience. So that's how I came to write a book. 
That's awesome. And you know what? What a, what a wonderful service to the Lord. I mean, the whole not only the, you're you're traveling around, you're selling everything, you're you're dedicating yourself to the Lord's work, you're talking to large groups of people, you're changing people's lives, you're giving people hope that doesn't that don't have hope. You have medical evidence that establishes this as as uh, you know unimpeachable, and 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 that that in and of itself is astonishing. And then um and then oh wow, I mean and then, you know and now you've got the book and the website. Do you do you if people reach out to you do you are you you know someone that would communicate back with them i mean is there any interaction that you have with folks that reach out to you or do you have like that feature yes, building to your there website? Is a, yes there is a tab at the website that says contact rose and i'm currently way behind on emails every everyone who knows me says all i ever say is i've got to answer some emails i'm probably about 400 emails behind right now but i am plowing oh, wow. through them a little bit at a time because i don't want to just say hey thanks for writing good to hear from you i you know i, I read right. them i read every email and i stop and I, I literally say a prayer and i say god what are the words tell me what they need to hear how can i be a blessing to this person how can i share some light and some grace with them so i, I really give it time and i really try to be thoughtful but yes i am trying and it's kind of surprising to me i mean the book the book has had some success, you know, in another 30 or 40 years, I'll make my money back on it. So the book has had some success, not astonishing, but the amount of email this story has generated is pretty mind boggling. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, um, so there's, uh, and, and I'm pre I'm preaching to the choir cause I can tell intellectually you're, 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 you know, you, you get this stuff. And so I'm sure, I'm sure you already know this, but there's an old rule of thumb in the world of business, uh, that, and I'll just give a version of it. It's probably, you know, not exactly a hundred percent more paraphrased, but the, but the, the rule of thumb concept is this if you have if if you have a business and somebody comes in to the you know front desk or whatever and complains you have to pay really close attention to that individual because there's probably another 50 that felt the same way but didn't take the time yeah. to come in and complain and that concept actually maps itself rather eloquently over to the email dynamic that you're experiencing right now because you what you will never know and what I have people tell me this all the time too with this radio show is that they, they'll say things like oh Johnny you have no idea how you've changed my life and all of the people that you've changed over the last you know uh, 11 years etc cetera, etc cetera. and I'm, I downplay it because you know I just I'm kind of like Smith Wigglesworth you know people come in uh, there was actually a story in his biography where folks had come into Smith's um, one of his revivals and they were like look it's Smith Wigglesworth it's Smith Wigglesworth and they were making a big fuss <laughs> and Smith jumped up on the chair in the revival tent and he pointed down at him and he said what are you trying to do send me straight to hell <laughs> I was like, so I kind of downplay it but think about it if you're getting 400 emails how many thousands of other people your, your testimony has touched that never actually reached out to you that's amazing that's a good point. That is a good point. It's just um, it gets a little overwhelming to see um, <laughs> see how many emails keep coming, because I was I've, I've been on a handful of big shows like with listeners ships over a hundred thousand, but most of it's you know little things here and there. And and I'm I uh, unless something's really dark, I don't turn down requests for interviews because I I try to remember that you know maybe maybe this guy has four people listening, <laughs> you know. But maybe it's the four that need to hear it. And you know that story, right. it was Gideon. Wasn't it Gideon in the Bible? Oh, gosh, I need to know this. 
was a Deuteronomy or Numbers, the story of Gideon and, and the soldiers who lap like a dog and send them on their way. And, and God says, God keeps paring down, I think it was Gideon's army, pairs it down more and more and more and more and more. And the point of the of that Bible story is, it's not about the numbers. It's about, are you serving God? Are you listening to God? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Because it's not about how many people you get. It's about just doing what God says to do. That's the real thing. So I actually did do a podcast that I think had, I think it had 12 listeners. And I was like, oh, that's humbling. But then I thought, you know, but maybe it's 12 people that really need to hear this. You know that you're absolutely right, and 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 that's that's a blessing that you that you you get that part because a lot of people, for example, um, you know there have been uh, you know in the earlier days of this program back in 2011, 2012, people were really pumped about 2012. They were real pumped about the end times. There was, you know, people were all um, I don't know hyper excited about. Because they had heard things on the internet, they had heard claims about, you know, there were a lot of uh, what I call rapture bubbles where people were like, the rapture, the rapture, it's going to happen any second now, that kind of stuff. And and I got caught up in it. I admit it. I, I you know, I mean, who wouldn't if, if you're excited about being in the presence of Jesus, of course. But um, but anyway, you know, the, the, the thing about it is, you know, we back in those days, there weren't a lot of podcasts. You know, back in tw- in July of 2011, there were very, 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 very few websites and podcasts that dealt with the mysteries of the scripture, that dealt with esoteric concepts that are, you know, everything that's in the Bible is true, but not everything that's true is in the Bible. And anybody that has an ounce of common sense can figure that out pretty quick. And um and so, uh, and and I've run across a lot of unbelievers. You know, the Bible admonishes us to be at the ready to give testimony of of our faith to save other souls at all times. And so where the Lord led me was kind of like where no man has gone before in the sense that I knew that churchianity wasn't really doing what they really needed to do. There were too many people that were being lost. Anybody who was scientifically minded that understood that the earth was older than 6,000 years, they were lost. They were going to hell because the church was ill-prepared to be able to, to help them understand how big all of this is. The fact, you know, and, and our existence and all those other things. It's not as simple as churchianity oftentimes will make it. I'm not saying that church, the church doesn't have its place, because it does. As a matter of fact, the Lord took me to, took, took, took me to a church. Now, I come from that background and everything, but he, he impressed upon my spirit while I was sitting there. He said to me, he said, um, if it wasn't for these people here, I wouldn't have any place to send the team challenge people. See, the problem is if, if – I don't know if you've ever heard of Leonard Ravenhill, but if – and he's, he was a very convicting preacher, and he would make people feel pretty gr- guilty for not selling out to Jesus, which, by the way, is, is, is not – he's – that's great. That it has its place. But the problem is, if you've got a whole bunch of teen challenge people that are just trying to get off of drugs and they're just meeting the concept of Jesus and the and and the fact that He's willing to forgive them, and you usher them into a building and the and the pastors up there admonishing you, you know, and and just you know, connecting all the negative part of the battery of the terminal, but none of the positive part, you lose those people. So the Lord was like saying, you know, don't be so judgmental about these these people here because they have a place in, you know, this is a, you know, this is where people can come that otherwise would not accept Jesus. They would hear 
hardcore preaching, and they would turn around and walk out the door and say, I'm not worthy, I'll never be worthy, I'll never make it, and they'll leave. It, it actually aligns with, uh, the, in the book of Jude, there's a very an interesting mystery scripture where it says, and some save with compassion, knowing the difference, and others save with fear, uh, pulling them from the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. What that's doing, that scripture is admonishing us to know who it is we are witnessing to. You don't go up to somebody who's sitting on the on the corner of, uh, you know, uh, you know, somebody who's in absolutely horrific grief, that's suffering, that's going through, you know, to your point, hell on earth, right? You don't go up to them and say, well, if you don't get your ducks in a row, you're going to end up in hell. You don't say that to somebody who's on the edge. You know what I'm saying? And that's what that scripture is yeah. talking about. It's like we're supposed to have the sensitivities of Christ, the love the loving kindness, the, the the infinite patience, you know, long-suffering. We're supposed to have all those ingredients of Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, uh, uh, goodness, and self-control. We're supposed to – that's supposed to be who we are. We're supposed to be the Beatitudes. We're not supposed to read the Beatitudes. We're supposed to be the Beatitudes. That's who we are. We are beings mm-hmm. of light and love. And – We've got to convey that and be able to sense. So I, I, you know, I oftentimes say to people, you know, you gotta, you have to be sensitive. You, you know what? Is it doing anybody any good for you to grab a micro, uh, a megaphone, go down to a busy street corner, outside the court courthouse, and just start, you know, yelling at everybody? You have to analyze. You have to use a little bit of common sense. Use the gifts that God gave you. And think about it a little bit, um, like a tagline that I have in my email that somebody really, really liked that came on the show. They said, wow, I just love that you know, tagline that you have in your email. And the Lord just placed this upon my heart, and I, I put it in my email. It says, we are fishers of men. Fishermen do not bang gongs and scream to catch fish. They <laughs> wisely bait their hooks, and they capture the imagination of the fish. Hmm. And, um, and that's, that really kind of maps, you know, spiritually, if you will, back over to that scripture in Jude, you know, and some save with compassion, knowing the difference and others, you know, save with fear, you know, um, you know, uh, hating even their garment, you know, defiled by the flesh, but we we need to know the difference. And, and today in today's world, people, the world is volatile. People are hurting. People are angry, and the love of Jesus and his infinite mercy and the experience that you experienced is the kind of thing that people need to hear a whole lot more of today. Today's The people on the earth today are a completely different sociological challenge to bring to the Lord than they were 100 years ago. And your testimony is a really big part of that challenging dynamic. And I praise God uh, for folks such as yourself and, and especially your testimony that has the unique, the very unique um, attribute of evidence to be able to show somebody, look, this is what happened. Here's the proof. 
and I'm excited about it. And I, I, you know, someone told me, I, I forget who it was. No, actually, it was uh, it was the Lord speaking to me from one of the um, Sarah Young Jesus calling. You know, I, I just deluge myself with things because the Lord will speak to me different different ways like that to different, you know, like that. And it, I was sitting there and I opened it up and it said, when the Lord sends somebody to you to witness to, you are standing on holy ground. And I, I always took that very seriously. And I'm just like you are. If somebody emails me and they're like, you know, my son is in drugs. He's, he's probably not going to live throughout the – please pray. You know, I muster – I send that email out to bunches of people. I mean, if, if the person's looking for deliverance, you know, the, praise God, we've had blessings with folks that specialize in deliverance and things like that. So, But, yeah, I, I'm just like you are. I take every single one of them very seriously. My eyes, when I look at the emails that come in my inbox, if I see a new – name. Now, I get lots of regular communications from folks, but if there's a new name and it pops into my email, I mean, it's like all stop. I like freeze in place and I'm like, okay, I'm standing on holy ground. What's this request and how can I help? Because, you know, fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. Praise God. So it's it's so exciting. Amen. It is. It, it's just powerful. Thank you so much for sharing as much as you did, and even the, and even extra stuff too. This is so. It's it's very very moving and life changing, and I just praise God uh, that that you took the time and were kind enough to join us tonight. And I and the ripple effect will always be unknown, as you as you probably are, uh, no doubt in my mind that you're able to quickly surmise or estimate the ripple effect of the internet and the existence of perpetual or you know podcasts that don't go away yes we, we can't it's incalculable you know i we we we've, we've had 6 4.6 million listens now a lot of those are repeat i get that they're repeat but you know repeat regular listeners but over 11 years 4.6 million individual listens and then we got the podcast the bit shoot the, all the other stuff and it's incalculable um it, and praise god for that it's like imagine 13 people changing the entire world hmm. and now we're blessed to be it a is it. it is and you know the other thing there's so much talk about how horrible the internet is <clears throat> and hor- horrible social media is but you know that that message these messages of love and light that go out i think that's a pretty nice counterbalance to the darkness that you know that seems to be such a presence on the internet and i just saw a quote the other day and i've been i've been just really thinking about this so much um, and i can't remember the source but the essence of it was every one of us is either a cheer a cheerleader for light and love we're, we're a cheerleader for darkness and evil. There is no neutral ground. You know, you can't say, well, I'm kind of in the middle. No, you're, you're cheerleading one of them. And just, just take a moment with every word and every thought and every action and just ask yourself, am I, am I cheerleading for God? Am I, am I doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing to promote, you know, to promote love and light? And that just meant so much to me that, you know, the Bible says bring into captivity every thought every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then the other one that I just love is let your minds not be distracted from the simplicity 
that is Jesus Christ. And I just love those. And, and that coupled with that idea that every thought, you're on one side or the other. <laughs> there is no Switzerland in, in this kingdom. And just be alert to what side you're on. You're so right. As a matter of fact, um, one of the dynamics, and I know that you would get this, um, you know, uh, one of the interesting dynamics of doing this program for over 11 years is that we, we um, now I used to have a co-host, but, um, the, you know, uh, but, but, you know, things change over 11 years. And uh, anyway, so long story, uh, actually a couple of co-hosts, but anyway, um, uh, but the, what's fascinating about what you just said is, you know, we, I, I personally gravitate toward the mystery verses of the Bible, the ones that nobody can explain. And I, and, but I, but when you understand when you come to when, when the Lord brings you to, you know, if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to them, James 1, 5. All right. And, um, you know, and it's true, but unfortunately, we have to oftentimes in order to be able to receive it, if you, Jesus used to say all the time, he would say, if you can receive it. So that would be an admonishment to the to everybody, to the world, to anybody who might read his word, for he is the word that you may not be able to receive it. In fact, when he says if you can receive it, the reality is that there's a high level of likelihood that you will not be able to receive it. Hmm. That's why – so he's admonishing us. Like he said in, in – uh, he said in uh, – I, I forget exactly where it is. I'd have to go look it up. But anyway, he said, um, and, and John the Baptist is Elijah, if you can receive it. Well, the church wow. won't touch that with Oh, another one that's a beautiful verse, but I, it, it took a while for the Lord, Lord. I had to pray about it before the Lord revealed why. Titus one fifteen, to the pure, all things are pure. Now, how in the world could you have that? Well, here's the answer. It's, it's really kind of fascinating. God actually uses, he's in control of Satan. It's in the first, it's all, the mystery is unraveled in the first chapter of Job. And Job, Job goes through all this stuff. God used Job as an example to help us all understand the dynamics of Satan, Lucifer, and all the other. You know, how do you explain to somebody? Well, how, you know, look at all these bad things that happen on the earth. How can God love us? You know, how do you how do you defend that? How do you defend the faith? Well, when you understand that God is in total control of Lucifer, even today, Satan, the devil. Okay, he's in control of them, and he's the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren, both day and night. Where does he accuse him? He accuses him in the courts of heaven. Well, that dynamic was captured by Zechariah in Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 7. Why is that interesting? Well, because it explains Titus 1.15 to the pure. All things are pure. God allows – Satan is on an executive severance package. And it's a long story, <laughs> but, but that's really what it is. God's using Satan – to filter out those who do not have the, whatever, let's call it the spiritual acuity or the sensitivities that are necessary to be brought into heaven and to rule and reign with Jesus ultimately. Okay, and that's once you get that, when you understand that, Titus one fifteen comes to life, and you go, okay, I get it. To the pure, all things are pure. Satan has no original ideas. He does steal and twist and contort and all that kind of stuff. But God is ultimately, and not just ultimately, he is in full control. So in the darkness, guess what? The light shines so much brighter. In the darkness, the light shines so much brighter. 
praise God. And so in the days as we progress forward, most of the unbelievers and the people who are marginal in their faith will have a very hard time understanding why things are the way they are. But to those of us who understand how God works and how, look, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Mm-hmm. Nor in heaven. I've never heard of an NDEer who came back and said, yep, still an atheist. I know. Isn't it the truth? It's just, oh, my yeah. gosh, I can't wait. I mean, it just makes me when, when I hear testimonies like yours and, and oh, my gosh, I just I, it makes me pace the floor. I can't sleep. I get so excited. I can't wait. But, you know, I also <laughs> have to remember Jesus did say to Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. And he said it three times. And when you, when the Lord yeah. says something three times, it's time to pay attention. Praise God. Um, thank you, <laughs> Rosemary. Wow, what a powerful testimony. Um, we've run past the uh, – we're a little bit in overtime right now, so uh, the live stream is down, but the podcast will have this all recorded. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Did you want to close with a prayer for us? Uh, I'll let you have I let you do that. I'm, I'm a little tired. Can you do that oh, for no, us? Yeah, 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 no problem. Father, we just praise you. We thank you, Lord God. We praise you for every every special experience, every one of these incredible testimonies that we also desperately need to hear to encourage us, to help us to stand strong in challenging times, not just now, but in times that we know, biblically speaking, and things that you warned us about, Jesus, in the Olivet Discourse and in Revelation that are that are soon to be a part of our daily lives and experience, and we're seeing them unfolding even now. And we just thank you, Father, for the testimony like this that encourage us and help us to be able to stand strong in our faith and to, and to have something so glorious to look forward to that 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 the that the the, the earth and all of the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations become really truly just inconsequential by comparison and help us to, to stand firm on that rock and the love of Jesus that we also powerfully look forward to and experiencing in, in, in our eternity. And we just give you all the praise, glory, and honor forever and ever. Thank you, Father. Amen. And thank you, Sister Rosemary, for joining us tonight. God bless you. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. Powerful. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We will see you at the Friday Night Prayer Vigil, 7 p.m., Lord willing. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice. 
as we lift your name on high. Renew our mind, renew our soul, remove the scars from our past and deem us righteous. We rebuke all deceptive lies. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on the living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.